It's too hard to sleep. I got the sheets on the floor. Nothing on me and I can't take it no more. It's a hundred degrees. Ladies, gentlemen and variations thereupon, this is Modern Escape. Hello, salut, shalom, and bonjour, and welcome to the first of our summer-themed episodes. My name is Factor 500 Oodles, and joining me today is... Get ready. Back in his day, summer wasn't even invented. Just 12 <laughs> months of endless winter and nights. It's Biggie. Hello. <laughs> When the ice cream van comes, he can never decide what to buy due to choice paralysis. He usually ends up walking away in a huff. It's Stig. Oh, I don't. I'll buy them all. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't go abroad because he always says, the beaches of Newcastle are canny enough for me, like, it's Gadget. I don't go abroad because it's hot out there. I don't like the heat. No. <laughs> you like the Newcastle beaches? <laughs> It's not a beach in Newcastle, it's fucking North and South Shields, you dickhead. <laughs> I don't know. And Candy is off again, the lazy cow. She's using them holiday days <laughs> up rapidly, but she'll be back very soon. Before we get into the show, please consider becoming one of our sexy and incredibly cool patrons to help us divide and conquer the podcasting world. Details are in our show notes, but mainly check out our website, modernescapism.co.uk, for more exquisite content and links to everything we do. And now... It's time for a little bit of a news digest with Biggest Breaking News. You may already know, but he doesn't, because it's time for Biggie's Breaking News. That's right, bringing you the breaking news as it happened at some point during the week. So, uh, first things that come up is uh, Taikai Waititi jokes about his Star Wars movie revolving around Jar Jar Binks. He joked that um, I'm not going to ruin Star Wars. No, I'm not. What if I was like, yeah, I'm going to give you the Jar Jar Binks story because he's got his own Star Wars movie coming out, but there's literally nothing about it at the moment. Um, definitely interested to see what he comes up with because he did two or three episodes of uh, Mandalorian, is it? He did two. He did the yeah two last two, I think. Of the first series, and you could definitely tell as well. There's yep. little little jokes in there, like the stormtroopers missing um, the can. He did voice yeah. a few characters as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. he's he's basically Basic, said but... that it's not going to be anything to do with the Skywalkers or anything around them or anything to do with the rebels, the, the resistance, the Empire. It's going to be in that universe, but far away because no one ever wants to touch on the actual rest of the galaxy. <laughs> and he said that he's going to, which is good. Everybody knows there's only four planets in a galaxy. Yeah, yeah. I could, I could see him doing a, a similar thing to what he did with what we do in the shadows, but it's based around stormtroopers, going through training camp. <laughs> you know, something... Could you imagine that? A little bit <laughs> fly-on-the-wall documentary with a comedy edge to it. Plus, there's like lots of them have got a Kiwi accent, so <laughs> that helps. Could be all about the clones. I was just going to cast Timur Morrison once. <laughs> yeah. Just CGI copy and paste him. 
I think Imagine Matt Berry is a Sith Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't want any. I don't want any Jedi, any Sith, any stormtroopers, or anything. Just yeah. set it in that world. Maybe you can allude to them, but just do a sci-fi in a different part of that galaxy. Ooh, a moisture farmer just out going about his his day. I think you'd probably have to make some connections back to the, the, the like the main players in it, but like, you could have stormtroopers there. It, it could be say I'm just off the top of your head. Do something a little Firefly esque, where you've got them having to deal with the Empire at times. You know, you still need to have mm. some connection into. It. Uh, moving on, we've got um, Horizon Netflix show will be called Horizon Twenty Seventy Four. Uh, some of the crew includes uh, people who've worked on The Boys and The Expanse. So yeah, calling to Jeff Grubb and VGC, both said that the um, show will be called Horizon Twenty Seventy Four. I hate uh, there's name. really little about it, but I think it will split its time between the timeline that you see in the games and the timeline when things begin to fall. So there's a little idea in place, but very little. You do know what that, that, that naming convention entails then, don't you? If they're calling it that, that means Aloy's not going to be the main character in this. No, no, no. no. It's going to be something else. Which, again, it can work if uh, they can oh, yeah, something absolutely, different. absolutely. But I don't like the name. It just sounds like a Blade Runner ripoff. I know it's a different year, but... Yeah. <laughs> or a cyberpunk ripoff. Yeah, it's just a bit, a bit pants. Uh, next right. up, we've got the uh, the next Ghostbusters movie coming next year. Um, Sony have announced it's untitled sequel at the moment, but they believe it's going to come out December 20, 2023. Um, they haven't said if uh, Jason Reitman, uh, who was the son of the original director... Ivan Reitman, who did Ghostbusters, whether he'll be behind the camera again. Um, but it will take place in New York City and will involve the Ooh. original firehouse. So. I think he is back now. Since we put, I think he has been confirmed that he's going oh, to be cool. part of it. So Awesome. The last one was great. Really good. Yeah, yeah I, I really liked it. it. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people, it came under criticism from a lot of people due to the, the end. But... Um, I really like that. I thought it was quite touching. It's a nice hype moment. I liked it. Yeah, and the uh, the yeah they definitely set it up for, to go back to New York. So, but I would like to see um, the kids in it because I thought that uh, the girl in it was really good. Um, what was it? Yeah. McKen- Mackenzie. I forget her second name, but uh, I thought she was brilliant. So I'd like to see her in the film. Yeah, a little podcast and Finn Wolfhard's in it, isn't it? Ah, podcast. I could yeah. give or take. Wolfhard like they'd like to give him something to actually do, <laughs> actually do, yeah, rather than s- swoon over girls all the time. That's his fucking job, isn't it? Lately, but yeah, I, I do. I'm not going to spoil the ending, but I, I saw people online. It's not believable that ending. I'm like, the film's about ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> can do what he wants. Oh, actually, I would like to see more ghosts because that is one thing that <clears throat> it yes, really liked. It didn't have many, did it? No. So, um, further. More adaptions. There's apparently a Fallout TV adaption on its way. Um, now you said TV, I'm happy with that. With Carl McLaughlin, um, Zelia Mendez Jones, and Aaron Moten so far. Uh, no further details have been given about what who's playing what roles, etc. According in to it. variety. Yeah, Carl, yeah, Carl McLaughlin yeah. is playing a bad guy. I'm calling it yeah. right now. <laughs> He's obviously from Twin Peaks. For those who may not remember who he is, I love him. Though. Desperate Housewives. He's actually from Flintstones the movie. 
<laughs> it was it, it was revealed ages ago as well that uh, Walter Goggins is going to be one of the lead characters in it. Yeah, yeah, and he may he's be playing a ghoul. Yeah, he's going to be a ghoul. <laughs> Walton Goggins looks like a ghoul, and he could pull it off. Walton Goggins. <laughs> I love him. I think he's brilliant. So yeah, I'm I'm yeah. down for that being a TV show. Take your time. Expand the universe. Tongue in cheek, present... but not too tongue in cheek. They can, you know, I'm currently playing Fallout 4 at the moment. I'm, I'm guessing with technology for TV these days, you can get the special effects. They can create enough of the world to look that way, can't they? I mean, yeah, it'll easily of course be they done. can. And most of it will be inside anyway, in vaults and stuff. I'm, I'm bang yeah. up for it. And in fact, that's probably a good point, actually. I imagine it would be a lot of that, and they can just occasionally show the outside, you know, when they need to. It would save them money, wouldn't it? As long as we've got vault boys and stuff like that. Yeah. Cool I bet you. I bet you now that it's not anything to do with like Fallout post, um, like nuclear Fallout. It'll be like the lead up to it. <laughs> oh, I don't want that. <laughs> I know. Just you know these TV shows. That. Like, oh, let's let's look at the, what happened to the world to get us to this point. It's like, no, 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 no. Let's just do what people are fans of. Yeah. I'm happy with the first episode <laughs> being that. The first episode being the lead up. That's it. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> Because bear in mind the beginning, the beginning of those games. It's nineteen fifties and stuff, isn't it? Uh, the door, no, it's, it's... Door salesman, aren't you? Selling the vault. It's it's it's, it's not nineteen fifties. They look nineteen fifties, yeah, don't it's, they? It's, they all it's, look. It's, it's retrofuturism. It's something like twenty seventy seven or something like that. Yeah, and then yeah. then the then the bombs drop, but everything's like gone with it as in the nineteen fifties. It all gone nuclear and like you have yeah, um, radioactive Jetsons. cars and shit like that. Yeah, it's retrofuturism, but it is yeah, technically yeah. always I... in the future. Yeah. <laughs> Next. Uh, sadly, um, we lost the PlayStation Dreamcast creator, Bernie Stolar, passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the person behind the PlayStation Dreamcast. Uh, he served as the president and chief operating officer at Sega of America, mm-hmm. during which time he oversaw the development of the Dreamcast. And prior to his time at Sega America, he was the executive vice president at Sony Computer Entertainment. Which saw him um, overlooking the uh, franchises Crash Bandicoot, Ridge Racer, Oddworld, and Spyro. Very sad. I mean, the Dreamcast didn't do much for me in my life, but the PlayStation absolutely changed my life. Massive, massive for me growing up. What a a sad loss. And a bit of lighter news Um, the uh, Gallahorn from Destiny, the rocket launcher, is. It's available to pre-order, but it's made by Nerf. <laughs> you can order it. Now, this is weird. You can order, pre-order this, and they begin on July the 7th. So, that's, uh, when's that out? It's on Thursday, right? The day of the pod? Yeah. Is that how time works? Um, that's how time works. 10am. <laughs> but... Existing Gallahorn owners get dibs. So if you want to do this, you what? need to unlock it in-game in the Destiny 2 Bungie 30th anniversary pack before July the 7th. And if you do that, that then you can get into sick. a virtual waiting room for your purchase. So you've got just over a week to do oh, it. Got this expensive toy you can pre-order, but you need to pay money into our game first or grind it out for three weeks. You either have to have a yeah. good PC, a good console, the game. I know it's free. The game's free now, but... Oh, that's just... I hate that. There's too many barriers. Oh, if you God. want to buy it, it's 180 <laughs> selling Toys R Us. I can't even sell Toys R Us anymore. I don't exist. 
God. The only thing I will say is it does look awesome. Yeah, it looks I can imagine good. cosplayers getting hold of one and then obviously painting it and making painting it look like it. the one yeah. in the game. Yeah, that's, that's where the real money's going to come in from that. Yeah. They'll resell them on fully decked out Galal. Because I remember using that. I remember using that in Destiny 2. <sighs> like it as a rocket launcher, but I wasn't a rocket launcher guy. I've also claimed that when you reload, like it does in the game, the entire top housing of the blaster itself shifts forward, opens the loading bay like it does, and then you can pop in the shells, which are obviously the nerf darts, and it fires three multiple darts at once. Imagine if it could have a nerf shell and it was as big as like a a Subway sandwich. (laughs) 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 Fucking flinging through a house. Knocking your kid out. Yeah, fucking... To do, uh, the internet has uh, raised its ugly head again this week as um, the return to Monkey Island creator Ron Gilbert has now decided he will not talk about the game anymore until it's released due to the feedback that he got when um, the graphics were shown, including part of the gameplay, I believe. Yeah, yeah, people were going, and I think it looks blog. fucking brilliant, <laughs> it looks absolutely fine. I mean, you're judging something that you haven't even played yet. Which I know yeah. everyone does and all that kind of thing, but it's just apparently the comments are awful. Yeah, pe- people are booting off about it because it doesn't look like the games from the nineties. I'm like, what do you expect? It's a new game. It's not. Yeah. It's not the old neither, game. But neither did the remasters. They did. Yeah, exactly. Look fine. I like. I the like the look. It. It, it's, it's like stylized cartoons that you see nowadays, and it's all. Mm. I think. I think. I think yeah. it's fucking brilliant. It's better than those like mid two thousand ones. Where oh yeah. The, th- the, th- the thing is, as well, the um, really Ron Gilbert should have had a PR person doing these reveals and stuff like that. Like, yeah, Ron Gilbert's not built for that. No, he's not. <laughs> he's too nice a guy. And it's, I, yeah. I feel, I feel heartily sorry for him that all this has happened. But yeah, it, there's part of it is like, and I know Ron Gilbert likes to be in touch with the fans and he likes to talk yeah, directly to has. people. And he always has back since the '90s when he first made the games. But it's definitely the, the culture now online. It's so toxic. You've got to have a community manager doing this kind of stuff. Someone who's trained yeah. to deal with this bullshit. Santa like Monica like had something like similar that. as well. Get it. People like that because they're entitled dickheads. And I'm yeah. saying it now to you. If you're listening, you're an entitled dickhead if you're that kind of person. But I don't think any of our listeners are. No, like you can dislike beautiful. something, like play it and go, all right, I don't like this and be critical exactly. of it. That's perfectly fine. Or, you know, if it's really offensively bad, you know, maybe you can have a little gadget style rant at it. Um, like, I don't like Skyrim, but I've told you multiple times why I don't. Yeah. But I'm not, I don't get offended by it. You know what I mean? To I get know, a short I like click of something. This is what our new game like, like ah, and then I start raging over it. Like people, like it's literally pathetic. making their whole life and identity about the fact that, oh, um, Kratos gets into the boat the same way in, in Ragnarok as he does in the first uh, God of War. <laughs> oh, God. Why wouldn't he? Well, it's an extension. Reuse of- <laughs> assets. It's quicker. Yeah, he's getting in a fucking boat. What do you want him to do? Exactly, it's the same guy. It. <laughs> it's like get a fucking grip, get a life. I get into bed the exact same time every night, every time. Yeah. Monkey Island looks great. It, it does. Just people are bellends. Yeah, be a yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I saw somewhere that, that someone was sending um, one of the Santa Santa Monica developers dick pics. Until oh, keep sending mate, them, awful. Until they re- reveal the release date of Ragnarok. I mean, it's just mad, isn't it? <laughs> awful. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's awful. There's worse hell. things than that. That's the problem. You think that's bad? There's worse. Oh, it's awful. Awful. The awful. internet was a mistake. 
Yeah, shut it uh, down. Social media was a mistake. Oh, fucking Internet right. Internet is fine. <laughs> Persona, live-action film and TV adaption, could be on its way from Sega. Um, I reckon that'll work really well as an anime. I'm not 100% say, sure why, it'll work. Why would that... you put it in, 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 in meat space? There already Just do is an anime. Persona animes. There's do lots of animes. Persona animes. There's loads. I mean, we, 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 I'm not we, sure we, about live-action. We saw what, what what was that one that got remade with uh, John Cho in it recently that was cancelled after one season converting Cowboy anime to oh, yeah. Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. Did you watch the Death Note film? <laughs> uh, that, that that Dragon Ball Z film. Anyone ever seen the um Guyver uh, live action? Yes. Yeah, Guyver, yeah. Fucking awful. It's awful. <laughs> Don't try and remake anime or manga into Persona's physical got, that, stuff. That's going to cost too much. It's about demons and it's like Pokemon, but demons and 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 you're just not going to get the style. Girls, you're not you're not going to get the style of of the Persona games and with physical people because no chance. The art, I mean, the art style is what sells most of it, and most of them are impossibly proportioned. They're all super skinny and like eighteen foot tall. Yeah, and then they're going to the... do the things that the games do, like ripping the faces off to get to, to transform or shooting themselves in the head to like yeah. do the special attack. I don't think they're going to do that on a live action. It's not now. Stupid. And the Nazi atmosphere. Look at me moaning like one of those Twitter guys. <laughs> but I'm not angry. I'm not angry. I'll just give you that. I'm not angry. I just think it's dark. the soundtrack will be banging though, won't it? Well, no, because that, compo- be. that well, that composer's not working on Persona stuff anymore. No. Oh, is he not? Oh, no, he's, he's gone off to do something else. So like, we're going to mm. see loads of Sega stuff. By the way, they've they've full. If you watch the Sonic films, they have like proper like yeah. Sega productions open. It's pretty yeah. cool actually. Like when you watch, you see all these clips of old like Streets of Rage and and Sonic and all these mm. old games popping up, and I, I quite like that. Um, but yeah, they've already talked about Streets of Rage film or TV show. That's they? more doable though. Um. Fighting and now this and yeah, you're gonna see all kinds of things coming out from Sega in the next. I'm just waiting several years. for Echo the Dolphin. Can see it. That's all I want. That's all I want. Henry Cavill as Mike Hagar. You can see it now. Mm. And also as Echo the Dolphin. Oh, that'll be better. <laughs> Cumberbatch, won't it? Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Yeah, he could be the Dolphin. <clears throat> Golden Axe, guarantee it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, very quickly, um, apparently June 2 will now have a release date of November the 17th, 2023, according to Culture Crave on Twitter. Cool. Into it. That's nice. It's not far away. It's not far away when you think about it. Take your time. If it gets pushed back, I don't care. <laughs> Absolutely. I just want it to be right. right. I want it to be don't right. Mind. I don't want it to be too rushed. <laughs> Take your time. Wish someone else had taken their time doing this. Logan Paul has signed up for WWE. Just, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> this is where they're at now. That's where they're at. I, you know, he he was really good at WrestleMania. Uh, he had minimum training, and he's very athletic. And he's he's a, na- a good boxer as well. He, I think he's he's a natural bad guy. So he work. He, he, his persona is a fucking wrestler, and he's he's a heel. But now they brought him back for SummerSlam and signed him, and it's just. Yeah, yeah, but wait while Logan Paul's the Intercontinental Champion. What a weird thing. <laughs> it's just... Ugh. They talk about not making new stars. People complain about the WWE never making new stars. 
And this is why. Because they just they'd rather bring a celebrity in, give him a full time contract, and actually make their own stars. There's no like they literally for SummerSlam they've had to go back to Roman Reigns against Brock Lesnar for like the ninth time because they've got nobody in a position left. to to fight Roman Reigns as the main bad guy because they just they're just so shit at booking they've just you don't get a Rock or a Steve Austin or an Undertaker anymore. I was gonna say haven't they all buggered off to AEW? Uh, no, some of them are, but most of them are retired. But you just don't get like a. Like the, the difference is, like this week, a proper mid card guy won a battle royal to fight the world champion, and instantly it works. It, it, it just yeah. works because of the way it's booked and the, and the person they've, they've chosen. You just mm-hmm. don't get that in WWE. They're just more bothered about what's the next celebrity we can get, what's the next like entertainment thing we can get. So if you're like a wrestling fan, it's just it's not fun. They're not fun anymore. The thing is, though, now, think about it. We're two steps away from influencers like Logan Paul. Maybe, Stig, you might be on the WWE in future years. Oh, yeah. That's the only way you'll get me to go and watch wrestling, is that? Watch, watch me, like, br- instantly break. I would, like, I would, like, step into the ring and all my bones would just break instantly. <laughs> it's, the it's the man who's made of crisps. He's here. <laughs> come running in and save you, though. Was it? No. <clears throat> Also, found it funny that this news comes out like you know two weeks after Vince McMahon's forced to step down from the board because of his busy hands. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. He's got busy hands. Mm. Oh, distract yeah. them from that. Oh, let's get Logan Paul in. <laughs> Known good person. Uh, just a couple of very quick things. Um, <laughs> the cell shaded classic game thirteen has <laughs> already had its remake. Getting another was- remake. Was shit, so it's got another remake coming. And if you've already oh, got it, if you've already got it, it's a free update for you, and it's in September thirteenth. I played uh, thirteen again on a PS2 emulator like a couple of years ago. Doesn't hold up like you think it does. I know some people it absolutely. Doesn't. I like the gimmick. It. I like the gimmick. I like I the gimmick. The idea There's the so many better good. shooters. <laughs> so yeah, many. I'm sure. I'm sure. Let me die. Very topical. One of our favourite things that never doesn't get mentioned on this pod is Stranger Things 4. Kate Bush is estimated to have earned 2.3 million in streaming royalties for running <laughs> up that her. hill. You are gate. Yeah. Bro- cool, she broke like loads of records and, and earned a load of money because a popular TV show decided to license her music. Oh, it's quite. It's great. So just to just kind of imagine, imagine just, you know, li- lying on the sofa just doing Kate Bush things, just checks her Batman account. The fuck happened there? <laughs> no, I don't think Kate Bush has got Kate a smartphone Bush to look things. at her bank. I bet she floats into the Barclays bank. Hey, I'm Kate Bush. <laughs> what is my bank balance? <laughs> and then she gets told. That's how she finds out. <laughs> Pretty 80s stuff. Hey, sweaty. I've been running up that hill to get here. Oh, Red card. Red card. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Uh, and then I think finally, Doctor Doom is coming to join the Marvel Universe, allegedly. How much stern have we predicted this last year? No, not this. Not, have you not, not, not seen the news of how this has slipped out? No. This, no, this rumour. Well, then, Stiggy, take it away. Uh, so, Howard Stern, apparently, was hot mic during an advert, and people caught the fact that he is. Working on something to do with Doctor Doom. What? Um, so he says. Um, 
Howard that's... Stern with the curly hair, the DJ. Yeah. yeah. What? He, just, he said something like, someone said, what, you work on this? Somebody says, well, I'm going to do Doctor Doom. But believe me, I'm miserable about it. So I don't, no one knows what it is. Um, like you said, he spoke to Robert Downey Jr. about it. Um, there was much in Kevin Feige in this. And no one li- knows what it's about. He just he said he was working on something to do with Doctor Doom. Like, if he, is he going to be the voice of Doctor Doom? Or is he just going to appear as himself in Fantastic Four? Or... I, I hope so. I hope that's just it. Yeah, just a cameo. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's more of a... It's a bit of a non-news story, but also, like... There is something. No, it'll in just the be works. a cameo. It'll just be a cameo. And with obviously, um, Marvel have said that they're doing Comic Con this year. So in the next few weeks, we are going to get some massive Marvel news because they're doing. We might the- have to do a separate podcast for that, Steve. Yeah, I I'm going to say now that I think they reveal the Fantastic Four on stage. <laughs> I think they bring out the four that they've they've cast for oh, Fantastic Four. I, I know and it's going to be. And they're going to push, <laughs> and they're going to push potentially give us a, a release date for any X Men. I don't think because oh, there's oh. been rumours this week that Taron Egerton might play Wolverine. Yeah. Um, I, okay, uh, I don't think they're going to reveal anything other than X Men is coming or Avengers is coming, like the next <clears throat> Avengers. I think the next <sighs> Avengers might be. I don't, do you know what? I have no idea where this phase is going. To be honest. I'm not even going to take I don't it think guess. we have. I don't think we'll get an Avengers this phase. It could be next. Phase. No, some... not this phase. I mean, like, like the way that this phase is going, the way that the following stuff. I, I don't generally have any idea. It's a weird one. It's. Yeah. A, I think it's a weird mid-transition phase. Mm. I saw a, a mock-up, I guess, of IGN had put up. I think of John Krasinski as uh, Reed Richards dressed up in the outfit. Imagine, imagine seeing that. <laughs> I, I mean, think that would be a terrible idea. It's not a mock-up, is it? No, it's not a mock-up. No. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. It's not a mock-up. <laughs> Complete that. No, that cat is well and truly out of the bag now. So, <laughs> <laughs> Why did you think I'm so excited? <laughs> you don't really think that's, it? that's happening then, yeah? With him? I know it's happened. <laughs> well, okay. You can this out then if it's a spoiler. I have no idea. Don't tell him what he's not seen so he doesn't know what he's, what he's spoken. <laughs> okay, fair enough. What I've not seen. <laughs> what have I seen that I've not yeah. seen and have We've I seen We've already it? got us Reed Richards and it's fucking good. It's fucking really good. Okay, cool. Other than that. <laughs> Is that the news, mate? I, don't, I couldn't help that, mate. You've just been in so bad. I, I couldn't help being that guy. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Biggie's like, I've got a good idea. Oh, John Krasinski, would be really good. <laughs> <laughs> Banging it on Twitter and someone going, duh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's get on with the Nexus, for fuck's sake. Thank you, Biggie. That was an intelligent and adequate news segment. <laughs> adequate, <laughs> that's what it's for. Uh, what have I been <laughs> yeah. up to? Uh, so um, I've spent most of the week watching Summer Games Done Quick, as you kind of would expect it. Um, mm. They raised just over $3 million, Ooh, which is brilliant for them. Fantastic. Um, Fantastic. Um, and it was just really nice that they were back in person for the first time since before the pandemic. And it was just nice, like, 
it's been great watching them do that re- like remotely over the last couple of years but actually having the audience there and having the kind of the crowd interaction that they get with it it's just a different energy to watch and it's so much more you get them claps i like them claps when they've done something cool yeah a good or, glitch or, and they're all going yeah or they're just whatever the in- internal meme is whenever someone says the word orb and the, the crowd goes orb in the background don't know why yeah, they do it but yeah i've obviously missed the start of whatever that was but yeah, yeah. that would be from years ago um yeah, there were, there were just some re- really, really massively impressive runs. Um, I dipped in and out of the Elden Ring one, which was just absolutely unreal, getting all the remembrances in under two hours. Is that out now on uh, VOD? Uh, no, I kind of watched bits and pieces of it this morning. The VOD will be out tomorrow for it. I'll, I'll send you I'll a link when it's up. That. Um, Cheers, mate. Uh, what else to watch? I watched some, I watched some of the silly, silly games. So like they did, like, do you remember Incredible Crisis back on the PlayStation 1? Yeah, it was a weird yes, Japanese, I do. Yeah, speed run of that. I like it. I like that game. Yeah, uh, Final Fantasy X in under four hours. I don't believe that. How did they do I that? Uh, so they must have a turbo button for dialogue skips. No. So 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 what they had was um, so it was the PC version was slightly modded to cut to all the cutscenes. Um, oh, it's just the walking bits and the fights. Yeah, it was the walking bits running away from most of the fights and then kind of min maxing. So like one of the one of the is it is it Aeons in that game the summons. Yeah. Uh, one of the summons was w- when he hit a crit, he was doing nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine damage. So he's basically yeah. one shotting the end game bosses. You can do that. You can do that on ten. You can do it on uh, eight as well. On eight, you don't even have to battle at all apart from bosses. It's fucking yeah. crazy. Uh, the Halo Infinite run was really good, as you predicted. Stick a lot of grapple hook. A lot of grapple hook. <laughs> the only way to do that quickly. Yeah, and um, but even even I mean even then it was still a challenge to run because they have to fight the bosses and all that, and the boss fights are terrible in that game. But yeah. It's all on YouTube. It'll all be on YouTube in the next few days or so. So just, go- I'm going to go back and watch some more ones. So I'll come up with some recommendations as well. I'll stick them on the Discord. But the main, awesome. th- the main thing I've been doing is uh, Pip and I have binged also around that binge through pos- over the last two weeks. Uh, Veep. Veep. Yes. Veep. Yeah. Yeah. Just that. Yeah. So Veep is um, HBO's take on the thick of it, um, adap- adapted by Armando Iannucci for the American audience. And it's one of those. It's a little bit like an American Office situation where I actually yeah, it's think good, it's, isn't it? I think it's in t- at times better than the thick of it. <clears throat> yeah, some parts of it. Yeah, it's 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 certainly more coherent storytelling rather than just because because the, the, the thick of it was like three episodes at a time whenever there was something big political happening. Yeah. Or uh, whereas this is like a coherent plot that runs through. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it stars uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus, um, who you know mostly as Elaine from Seinfeld. Uh, playing Selena Meyer, um, the Vice President of the United States, as it starts. Um, and the series follows Meyer and her team as they attempt to make their mark and leave a legacy, but often instead get mired in the day-to-day political games and absolute bullshit yep. because they're all kind of inept. Yeah, the crap. Uh, all of them, they are crap. And and the seventh <laughs> series of it, and the series kind of runs through the very start where so Selena is the Vice President to, um, uh, to something Hughes, I can't remember his full name, uh, and as it goes on, she eventually... James. No, it's not James Hughes. It something else. But either way, eventually she kind of goes up. He resigns, so she becomes the president for a brief period of time. Then she goes into an election cycle, and mm. um, you get the kind of the, the, the bitter end of politics. It is such a biting satire of how cr- crooked and cryptic and horrible American politics are. All politics. No, well, especially American politics, with just the way money is focused on everything and the thing, the kind of the, yeah, the things, lobbying. Yeah, with lobbying, the things that people are willing to do f- to retain or to retrieve power. It's absolutely like 
the, I don't want to kind of spoil the last episode, but the last episode, you see the real true colours of Selena, like how dirty and yeah. horrible a character she is at her core and what she's willing to do to become the president again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's fucking brilliant because every other character in it gets a kind of happy ending, but she doesn't, and I really like that. She uh, doesn't deserve one. No, she doesn't, doesn't deserve one at all. And it's brilliant. It, the writing is superb. The, uh, the performances are brilliant. Hugh Laurie has a, has a guest spot for the last couple of seasons as a rival senator called Tom James. Um, and he's put mm. he's put his house accent on again, so he's gone American again. But he's fucking brilliant. He's so funny. It's pure it. house, though, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he only has one American accent. Yeah, um, and that's house. Yeah. Is there is is there a creative swearing like uh, the yes. thick of it though? Well, actually, oh. funny you brought that up because I've, I've I've made a collection of my my favorite insults. Yeah, and the thing is, <laughs> un- good ones. Unlike the thick of it, it's not just a Malcolm Tucker character throwing these insults out. There's about six characters throughout the whole thing which will throw the most creative sweary insults out there. Yeah. So, um, so for instance, we'll 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 start we'll start off low here. You know, you're about as annoying as a condom filled with fire ants. <laughs> Uh, what are you laughing about, Jolly Green Jizz Face? <laughs> this one was one of the characters, kind of um, one of the characters taking the piss out of this character's new new car. And he says, uh, "Like your mum, it's been previously loved and paid for by a couple of guys." <laughs> I like that. Uh, your secretary to the vice president—that's like being Garfunkel's roadie. <laughs> uh, settle something. Settle something for me, Jonah. You like to have sex and you like to travel. Then you can fuck off. <laughs> um, the next, the next two are kind of longer ones, but they're absolutely, I, I fucking love these so much. Imagine something small has crawled up a dead cow's ass, and then that small thing actually dies itself. If that dead thing then farted out a sack of eggs, but each individual egg is a smaller rotting dead thing, that's how toxic she is. <laughs> um, <Great show. laughs> I love this one. You're not even a man. You're like an early draft of a man where they just sketched out a giant mangled skeleton, but they didn't have the time to add details like pigment or self-respect. You're Frankenstein's monster if his monster was entirely made out of dead dicks. <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. And the, and the last, one, last one, I think this is actually from the first episode. This is something Selena says. It says, That's like trying to use a croissant as a fucking dildo. Let me be more clear. It doesn't do the job and it makes a fucking mess. <laughs> So yeah, the writing in it's absolutely stellar. There's some fucking wonderful insults in it, um, and the, so the last season, season seven, came out in 2020. So it was obviously filmed just before the pandemic. There is so much kind of like stuff, kind of turning and swirling around kind of Trumpism. There are characters that actually just repeat things that Trump had said. Um, yeah, it kind of one re- of the episodes was going to get banned. In America, at one point, but the 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 lobbied against it getting banned and stuff. There's a lot of shit behind it. Yeah, the um they managed to um they managed to encapsulate just how toxic American politics can be in a way that's actually still funny to watch, but is also kind of horrifying. Um, yeah, because a lot of it is set in truth, isn't it? That's the problem. All of it's set in, but truth. so was the thick of it. Yeah. So I would I would hardly. It, recommend everybody watches it i think it's a really funny show the, the the seasons aren't short like the first season's eight episode most of them are 10 episodes the last season seven episodes so you can rattle through most of it in a day um, that's not too bad yeah and they're all half an hour episodes as well um but it's just really funny and you you, you will cry laughing at some parts there are there are some insults that come out that made me kind of choke on me drink 
I really, I really <laughs> think it's fucking brilliant. So you can and ask like, for. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and Judy Lewis Dreyfus, she is absolutely fantastic as Selena because she's got she she has she has that politician smile where you know she's having that smile, but behind her eyes you can see she's thinking, "What the fuck am I doing here?" But she frequently yeah, also says as well, a "Unrested bitch face." Yeah. I've heard it's been it's been known as yeah, oh, yeah. That's what I've been doing. Watch Veep. <clears throat> yeah, it's I, worth, I watched, worth, of, um, worth every time. I did watch In the Loop recently. Actually, got added to Netflix. I finally like caught, did. Up, caught, caught up, caught up, oh. and watched that one. I haven't seen um, that yet. Yeah, it's on Netflix at the oh, moment. So it's good. Um, interestingly enough, for whatever reason, I did look up that guy's name, Mister Hughes. I cannot believe you forgot his first name. You, st- you talk to one every week. Was oh, it Stuart? Oh, it's a Stuart. Yep. <laughs> oh, well, to, Stuart. To, to, to be fair, most of the time he's referred to as Hughes or the President. So you, you don't very often hear his first name. <laughs> it's not often oh, you get a, a Stuart in a in a. Actually, thing, yeah, so. you're right. But uh, yeah, watch Stuart it. Little. <laughs> that and Stuart, Stewie Griffin. That's about it. Is his name actually Stuart? Is isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, me now, moving on to me. Um, I've uh, I've had one of them weeks where because I've got a week off now from work. You know, like well, I get ten days off because I my shifts work. So I've been like winding down all week, and I almost thought <laughs> you, you, you were going to say wanking. I was going to say I thought you were going to say that as well. <laughs> no, because my week off doesn't start till tomorrow. So well, as as I'm recording, so wanking tomorrow. Wanking. <laughs> Wankings tomorrow. I'm not reviewing my wanks because they're all ten out of tens anyway. We know hey. this. <laughs> we know this. But I did do a little thing this afternoon while I was playing with one of the main things I want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> not a wank. <laughs> not a wank. We still haven't moved on. Not a wank. No, it was. It, wank, was, it but... was just the playing with. <laughs> yes. Not a wank, but it was wank. Um, I watched half an hour of Morbius and I turned it off. <laughs> Why? I did this for you already. I sacrificed my time for the good of the pod and I told you to not bother. Don't let the well, curiosity I was, I was, get to you. <laughs> I was playing on my laptop anyway and I had it hooked up to my monitor and I thought, I'll watch a film while I'm doing this other thing that I'm doing. That's, that's how um, I watched it, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just turned it off. And... It's fucking crap. The, the half an hour's crap. <laughs> that was, the there's no redeemable was crap. about it. I just oh. I don't get what we're doing. This. I know I'm just interrupting you, Eidos, but can we quickly talk about what the fuck they're doing <laughs> with this Spider-Man villain universe? I don't know. It's they've got Madam Web coming out, which they've, they've just cast uh, Emma Roberts in it, uh, uh, this week. Um, and they've got... Emma Roberts? Um, yeah, Julia Roberts' no, daughter. Y- yeah, young girl, yeah. Emma Roberts. Madam Web. 70-year-old woman. Uh, Madam Web is not going to be a 70-year-old woman this because the other person in the film is... What's her name from Fifty Shades? Um, Dakota, Dakota Fanning. Someone? No, not Dakota Fanning. Uh, Dakota Johnson. Close. Close right. But Aaron Taylor-Johnson is stuff. playing... Uh, is in the Craven the Manhunter film. And the details yeah. of that have been leaked this week. It is not a Craven film. He's not playing Craven. He's playing Craven's son, an animal activist. Oh what? my word! What are they doing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm what so are they glad doing? I didn't see that look on his face. What are they doing? 
I'm glad I don't what I don't I don't listen rock, uh, read the news because it just upset me and I'd end up Fuck being one of those hell. Twitter people. <laughs> Sony Ooh. just cannot get it right, can they? No, they can't launch a console correct. They can't have a universe. <laughs> <laughs> They're terrible bastards. Anyway, I'll let you crack on. Sorry, I just had to bring that up. <clears throat> no, no, no. So while I was watching my half an hour of, of Morbius, oh, I'm not even going to finish it. It's garbage. I got this in the uh, post recently. For people on uh, YouTube, you can see this beautiful little case that comes with an even more beautiful... I can get the fucker out. I should have planned this. Look oh, at that. It's it? a Mio Mini version 2. You'll, you'll like this. You'll like this, Biggie. This is a proper your cup of tea, this little beauty. I know you can't see very well. This has now got 5,000 ROMs on it. <laughs> is that an box? Oh, it's an emulator box, baby. I own every single one of those 5,000 games. Of course you do. Disclaimer. Actually, never doubted in way, it. In the warehouse down the road. Yes, in my warehouse. I've got them all physical. <laughs> That's why I'm always poor. So, I'm paying rent on this warehouse for only 5,000 games. It's like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark when you go to get a new game out, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> this Mio Mini uh, version 2 is so so small that the case itself is about the size of a deck of playing cards. The console itself is tiny. Show me your hands, boys. Let me just see your hands. Yeah, you guys are probably be bad at playing this. <laughs> you've got actual, you've got smaller adult you. hands. Yeah, I think your hands are smaller than mine. To be fair, Stig, you'll love this. <laughs> I've got I've got the big boy coming in the next month. So yeah, I know you mine. have. I know you've got. But this is a beautiful little fifty dollar machine that I ordered from AliExpress. You know that that website <laughs> that sometimes you're worried about putting your uh, bank card on, but I did it anyway. Um, it's absolutely it's the best little pocket emulator machine I've ever I've ever experienced. I downloaded. Um, called Mini UI. It's because unlike a lot of emulator machines you get, especially on handheld, you're stuck with that stock firmware unless you want to brick the console completely. This is very open. It's Linux-based. It's very open. You can just put anything, and the community around the Mio is just... It's, it's vast. If you like a community of nerds cracking things, this is this is for you, and they've made this mini UI, and it's sensational. It can play games I never thought I could play on something so small. The screen is gorgeous. You won't, I won't show you here because you won't be able to see it, but it's super bright. The um, the viewing angles are fantastic. It plays anything up to PlayStation One, and it plays all PlayStation One games perfectly. What's so, the uh, screen? Is it OLED? I, I don't think it's OLED, but it fucking looks very close. <laughs> I don't think it's quite OLED. It's just stunning. And the aspect ratio of it is fantastic. It's got L2, R2, R1 on the back as well. It is very small. And me showing you on screen is not doing it justice. It's tiny. It's for little manans that me and Stig have got. But if you can, I believe the problem. I think they're doing a bigger version coming out very soon. It's gonna be worth it if you're into this. I know you. I know you, Biggie. You're foaming at the yeah, gums for something. Bring it like to the meet. I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah. I, oh, I will. I will. This is gonna like. Do you know when you think, oh, I'm gonna take my switch because I'm going somewhere, but I'm gonna have time to play games. I don't need to take my switch anymore. I've got this. 
And we've even in the case that will fit in my skinny jeans. It's fucking incredible. <laughs> I know people say, well, you can have all these emulators on your phone. I don't like touch screens. Don't like them. Awful things. This is it's absolutely it's stunning. It's absolutely stunning. I can't I can't recommend it enough. Now let me just tell you now. Obviously, if you got it in certain countries, you would get it fully loaded with a uh, SD card. Fully install the games. If you get it imported to Britain, you don't. That gets taken off. So you have to do it yourself. But if you know anything about it, if I can do it while watching half an hour of Morbius, <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> What's the uh, battery it's, life like for it? Uh, I haven't tried it since I've got it. Um, I think I've played about six hours of it, and it's on 49%. Oh. So fucking good. And I've been playing PlayStation games, which is obviously the most intense you can get on that. It also accepts like PC engine stuff and ROM hacks and stuff that doesn't need an emulator that's just a file. You know what I mean? So you can play like Ultra Doom, that's that super ROM hack that they did that makes it look like it's Doom, Doom controls, but it's in Doom 3 backgrounds and stuff. It's fucking weird. But it's just, it's fucking lovely. I ain't got an analog stick on it, so. If you're into your racing games and stuff like that, it might be a bit annoying. Back to the old D-pad, but the physical buttons are stunning. Everything's, oh, I love it. I adore it. Best $50 I've ever spent. And it was with vouchers. So, again, love it. If you save up enough vouchers from your emails, guys, you know, when you get all them vouchers sent in emails, oh, I fucking love it. But, yeah. I also, I think the main thing I should talk about, really, is Stranger Things. The end. It's all done. Well, for, now. Is, for now, for now, yeah. <laughs> for now, um, I who's watched it here? Well, I've seen the new episode of one, not the the last one. That you mean it's the two, two and, part, and a half it? hour epic? <laughs> yeah. Why is it two and a half hours? I you know, don't. like we we did we so we watched the first one on Friday yeah. night, and usually Kate is the one that wants to go to bed, and she's yeah. like. Oh, we have to, and I was yeah, like, the, the, the I, first... and I was like, no, it's quarter to one in the morning. I'm not going. To... Oh, I was like, I am not uh, staying up till three in the morning to watch this, especially yeah. when I have to get up, take immediately to gymnastics. I was like, no, we'll watch it tomorrow. So we watched it the next night, and yeah, it was... still ended up at like half one, quarter to two in the morning, yeah. finishing it off. It's. Do you know what? Um, I know we were talking uh, in the green room before we started. The, the other green room. We've got two green rooms. Um, it's for posh yeah yeah and there was we, a lot of people online have been a bit negative on on the especially the last episode I don't know where that negativity is coming from nah me either Genuinely. I loved it <laughs> I, I, I'm, it's not even hype or anything like because it was quite subdued of a final episode if you think about it Stig the, 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 the mid-season finale was more epic than the last Episode. Yeah. It was subjective for a reason. It was subject. There's, there's reasons. I think it's. I think it's masterfully done. I I, yeah. I. I can't fault anything about it. No, I've got no faults with it at all. I re- I I loved it. I thought it was great. There's yeah, spoiler things I don't want to get into, which I can't get into, but um, mm. which I could say I did or didn't like. <clears throat> but um, yeah, I, I just yeah. the whole series. I thought like. I like season three, but a lot, you know, season three, I think a lot of people see it as uh, probably the weakest one. Uh, yeah. But I think they just knocked out of the park. I think, the, I think the kids have 
matured so much. And there's there's bits in that finale, I just thought, wow, like you could just see how much they've come on as actors. There's like one scene in particular. It's weird when you watch a show. Amazing. Every single one of those kids could grow up to become a proper star. They're stars. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think it's a weekly kingdom. You know, like sometimes you might no. start you might start off with a bunch of kids and then yeah. realise as you the further you get in, one of these is a bit shit and a weak link. Yeah. But I don't, I don't I think would, you get I, that I, with, I, it, with with these. I saw someone on Twitter saying, Oh, there's too many tropes on those too many eighties tropes. I'm like, Are you fucking insane? The whole thing is a homage to eighties. Yeah. <laughs> what a stupid argument to have. I, I didn't want these tropes. I didn't want it to be predictable. It wasn't predictable. A lot of the, the, people want this mega twist in everything they watch nowadays. Mm. Stranger Things doesn't have a mega twist. It doesn't need it. It's just a simple um. I mean, there is twisting, but it's not yeah. a mega twists. It's not like revelations that'll blow you away and you have to pause it and come back in half an hour's time because you're getting your breath back. It's just proper good homage to films that I loved in my youth. And, mm. yeah, I, I, think, I think it's spellbinding. It's best thing. It's best thing that Netflix does, really, I think. It's up there anyway. But, yeah, that's, that's my main thing. Obviously, I can't talk too much because... It's all plot heavy. Um, yeah, it's just fucking fantastic. If you're not watching Stranger Things, get on it. Gadget. <laughs> get on it. <laughs> Stig, what you been up to? Uh, watched, I, first again, I watched Men this week. Wow. Ah. That film ends, goes places. Mm, uh, Candy, Candy alluded was, to that. Was not wrong with the way that film ends. Don't think it works very well. Uh, kind of a little bit bored throughout most of it. But yeah, it just it goes from one thing to <laughs> something completely batshit in the last like twenty minutes. Um, yeah, yeah, it's nuts. Uh, and um, we went. To, I went to the cinema twice this week. First off, went to see Minions. Money think you went to see this as as well. Did you, Biggie? I did. Yeah, the Minions the Rise. The Minions. The Rise of Gru. So this is more of a prequel to Despicable Me. Um, this is clearly a Despicable Me 4, but a prequel. But Minions is the more marketable name, so they just called it a Minions film because the yeah. plot and everything revolves around Gru, not the Minions. No. Because the last one didn't, did it? No, the last one was around the minions and like and what what kind of creatures they are that were in caveman days or something, weren't yeah. they? Yeah, this is a lot better than the first minions. I really hated the first minions film. I did not like that. I I, I liked Despicable Me one, two, three. It wasn't great, but the minions film. Did I you like the first minion film more like... than Morbius? No, I actually give it a lower mark. I, <laughs> I, I just couldn't get on with it because it was I didn't so. Mind minions. the minions movie. It was alright. I, I, right, I don't mind the minions because there's, there's some humour in them. Like they do some stuff in this which did have me laughing out loud. I laughed more than six or seven times, so that's a good thing. But yeah. I think in the first one, it's just too much. Whereas this one, it's not all about them. It's got Gru in there doing things as well. It's got other characters in there which I like, worked really well. Um, but yeah, it's about Gru as a a young. I think he's like 11, 12-year-old boy and he wants to join the Vicious Six because one of the members gets kicked out. So they're looking for a sixth member and they laugh at him because he's a young boy. So he steals one of their uh, this 
medallion that they've got, and then all kind of hijinks happens because of that. Um, he's not very evil in this because he's the hero, <laughs> so there's bad guys. And then, do you know how, like, when he's in the start of Despicable Me, he is a bad guy, is it? Isn't he? Is yeah, he is. Yeah. He wants evil. to steal the moon, doesn't he? Yeah. Whereas this one doesn't. It, it kind <laughs> of alludes to him going the evil way. And it starts out with him being a bit sinister, but it also centers him as like a hero of the piece as well. So he wasn't a baddie on the on the last Despicable Me, was he? He became a goodie. Yeah. Oh, was it on the end of the first one? He became a goodie, didn't he? That was mm. it. I can't remember. It's fucking weird. But yeah, you know, I thought it was. It's much better. I I, I enjoyed it a lot more than the other films. Um, they are actually doing a Despicable Me four it's coming out next I'm year. Definitely I believe. putting a minion on our pod art as well. Definitely so, doing it. Um, no, don't <laughs> do that. Minion. Not, not unless Biggie has anything to add, really. <laughs> yeah, I think um, my daughter yes, loves it. So, I mean, <laughs> I appreciate that. Like Sticky says, the the humour is there mainly for its main target audience, which is obviously the kids. But there's a lot of stuff for the adults to enjoy as well, and the training for the martial arts, the stuff that they learn. Is oh really yeah, cool. Ed Michelle really, Ewan really, is the martial yeah, arts really, <laughs> train, yeah, trains the minions. Cool. Yeah, the the, tra- the the minions training to do martial arts was a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot of things to make you chuckle, but yeah, it, it's an absolutely fine kids movie. If you want to, you got kids, you want to take them to go and see something, they will appreciate this, and you'll enjoy. Have it they as done well. a minions game yet? Like a proper minions game? It's only mobile stuff, I think, isn't it? That's those stupid. You'd expect a proper game like Crash Bandicoot style or something like mm. that. Don't put that Spire out to the, the universe. Dragon. They'll make it. Um, <laughs> people don't like collector funds. Minion Rush running game. Yeah, it's That's a mobile, phone, it? mobile game. Yeah. yeah, That's about it. Get it out there. I think Naughty Dog could do it. <laughs> <laughs> Minions in like a... a, a Gritty remake. La- Last of Us <laughs> like style, like apocalyptic world. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. No, it was enjoyable yeah. enough. I didn't hate it. I, like it was a lot, like I said, a lot better than the first one, which I really didn't get on with. That's a good start. That's a good. That's a good sign, though, for the franchise, isn't it? If if they're, if they're improving, perfect. Yeah. Maybe one day they'll bring out that poignant Minions film that just gets that Pixar magic that you want. And weirdly, Steve Carell did the voice of Gru, even though he's an eleven, twelve-year-old boy. They probably made his voice lower. With yeah, yeah, it just made it more squeaky. It does yeah. have some really good, like actual, um, like voice artists in there as well. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Alan Arkin is in it. Um, oh God, I, I put myself on the spot here, haven't I? Yeah, I think I saw the trailer to this when I went to see Sonic Two. It has um, so it has Alan Arkin, it has Julie Andrews, Michelle Yeoh, uh, Dolph Lundgren, Danny Trejo, Lucy Lawless, nice. um, Will Arnett, Steve Coogan, so John DiMaggio. Wait, if, if, so there's wait quite there. a lot of like named big names in Nearly there. Nearly all of those names have played bad guys. Uh, most that, of these are the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, do you reckon that's a, a, a specific choice? That's clever. Yeah. The vicious oh, yeah, uh, characters so, anyway. um, Very funny. Lundgren, John claude Van Damme, Danny Trejo, Lucy Lost, they're, they're all the bad guys. They're, they're the... Ah, uh, right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, they're all bad guys. Yeah, and uh, Russell Brand's back for younger Dr. Nefario, so... 
He plays Doctor Nefarious. It's Russell Brand. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that at all. Wow. So, yeah, they got like a lot of hit big hitters in there. So, uh, but I, moving on, the the main thing is this morning I went to see Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Now um, I hoped. Uh, I mean, don't but don't spoil it. But I hope it's good because I re- I'm a big Elvis fan. So this is the story of Elvis Presley, but seen through the relationship with his manager, Colonel Tom Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, I fucking loved this film. Like, yes, absolutely yes. adored it. Uh, it's I know been you like div- Elvis, though, don't you? Yes. It's been very divisive. Like, you will go on to my letterbox and you'll see a five-star review, and then underneath it you'll see a half-star review. <laughs> so it's like some people just really do not get on with Baz Luhrmann's style at all. Uh, I have only ever seen Romeo and Juliet of his. Moulin Rouge? Never seen it. Rouge never seen Great awesome. Gatsby. Oh. Um, wow, they're, they're good. You'd really yeah. like Moulin Rouge, mate. Yeah, I, I, good. I, I only ever saw Romeo and Juliet, which I really like because I just, but that's kind of helped. Stylized, isn't it? It's stylized, stylized and stylized Shakespeare, yeah. isn't it? But this, so I can get, I can see the criticisms of his style, like especially with his scene, like the scene transitions and editing. There's a lot of like kind of CGI movement between scenes and big, it's big and he's always done that kind of thing. And, yeah, but it, I think it works for Elvis. Elvis is mm. loud and brash and colourful, mm. and that works for me. It's, um, kind of, it's kind of what he did with The Great Gatsby. The Great Gatsby had a lot of that. Like That was yeah. like yeah. a yeah. sumptuous-looking film. They didn't really do any solid cuts, did they? Everything no. was... Yeah, it was, no. everything was move, moved around rather than just yeah, like bang, clever. cut to the scene. It's, it's That's still kind of what he does here. Like, you'll be like, oh, they're in Vegas, and... It kind of got, you know, it'll go around the roulette table and that'll turn into someone's eye and that kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, yep. It's, there's a lot of that going on. There's times where he probably could have turned it down a little bit, but it wasn't enough <laughs> it's to. Baz Luhrmann, though. It's not yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't enough to put me off. Like, I just thought this works for the film. Uh, Butler, as, uh, as uh, Elvis is, uh, Austin Butler is phenomenal. He doesn't look like Elvis. And I think that was one of the, the criticisms people had when they it saw the trailer. Like but he's, he's nailed everything else. He sounds like him, the mannerisms, the stage presence, the movement, the hip thrust, hip the thrust. shaky legs. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. He has got Elvis down perfectly. When he's on stage doing the stage performances, man, it's just like, I, I just drawn in every single time. It was so good. The music is obviously amazing throughout. If you're an Elvis fan, you'll absolutely love this, but it's not just oh, him. It's full of other like rhythm and blues songs and artists as well. Mm. So there's a bit of BB King in there. There <sighs> is a um, little Richard, and there is some modern stuff as as well. There's like a few like modern R and B tracks thrown in there during some scenes that kind of mix yeah. with Elvis songs. But I think it all works. I I really That's liked what they did it. with Moulin Rouge, didn't they? The, 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 a lot of it were classic stuff, but. They turn modern contemporary music into what a French version of it would be. Yeah. Pretty fucking clever. Yeah, it's a real, like, so obviously the, the, the film takes liberties with the stories, but they often do with biopics, don't they? Um, yeah. There is, um, the story is narrated to you by Tom Hanks, who's playing uh, Colonel Parker. And he is, it's a bit of an odd one, because if you know anything about him, was it he's, a real bastard? Yeah, an absolute real <laughs> bastard. He's the reason Elvis never performed out of the US. 
Yeah, he's he basically him. the one that drove Elvis to his death by mm. exhausting him too much, pushing him too much, manipulating him so much, providing him with the drugs and with phony doctors to keep him going. He's kind of the reason Elvis died so young. And yeah. this story, he narrates it through himself. So he tries to paint himself as in a good light. And kind of, he kind of trying to tries to push it on us as the audience and as the people side that, with him that loved Elvis. He's like, he did this for you. Do you know what I mean? Oh. Like, it's that kind of Maybe thing. That's so, deliberate, though. Yeah. So it, it's it's really odd. But there are scenes, obviously, that it where you are just we're, we're with Elvis away from the Colonel. So it's not just about what he knows yeah. and what he saw, but he does narrate it and he does kind of fill in some of the blanks, but. It's done in a way where he's trying to justify what he did, but mm. not. It's not Baz Luhrmann trying to justify what the Colonel did. It, it's kind of the character yeah. is trying to yeah. justify it, but it works really well. Like Tom Hanks is brilliant in it. He is. He's just odd. Have you ever watched a film where you hate Tom Hanks? Uh, <laughs> wrote a petition. Uh, Cloud Atlas. No, but like, is it, was he? I'm not seeing Cloud Atlas, but this genuinely makes you. It's a character you hate. Come away. It's yeah. not feeling to hate Tom Tom Hanks. Yeah, because this, this film will make you hate him. And he, he's the prosthetics are really done. He's all done up in big fat suit. Yeah, and yeah I've seen the trailer. Prosthetics and all his hair and everything done up. You know, kind of at times doesn't look like him. Um, and he's got this really weird Dutch American accent. I, yeah. I always do like it when Tom Hanks gets to act rather than being Tom Hanks, you know? Yes. I do. I do, actually. Yeah, this is not Tom Hanks. Like, he is full on in a character here, which is really yeah. good. But, yeah, there are things about this in the story you learn that I didn't know about Elvis. Um, I don't know why I, I don't know this. I didn't know that he grew up predominantly in a black community. I know that yeah, he... That's where he got the blues from. That's where he got the blues from. And obviously a lot of people always kind of say, oh, he stole the blues from... No, from African Americans, and this, this film kind of shows you. Well, he grew up with them, and he grew up in those communities, and that's the music he loves, and that's what extremely he's passionate about. poor as well. And yes, there's obviously that at that time a white man was more marketable, so yep. that's why. But you can you, you see that love, it, and Austin <clears throat> Butler really puts across that in his performance, like it, the love of that music. Um, if there's one criticism I'd have is that his relationship with Priscilla is very quickly brushed over. Really? Yeah, it is. Um, he fell in love with a teenage girl and you see a little yes. scene of them like fall, kind of falling for each other and then she's old enough to marry him. She was 14 when yes. they first... That's not how it went down and they very quickly <laughs> just brush over that. <laughs> There's a lot of things that they don't really go into it. Yeah, they, they, they do kind of brush over a few things but just the performance, the music, the style, the the, yeah, man. the visuals it was incredible there's this film made me cry twice and oh. it just it, he doesn't Austin Butler doesn't do all the singing I think there's a few performances where he does sing but there are certain ones where you see like the, the comeback special and his yeah. final performance before he died well you, you can't perform that if you can't nail that just dub Elvis over the top and it's fine yeah. because They've remastered his vocals many yeah, times. because he does it, he acts it perfectly. So you do believe that the, the music actually matches up with the performance. But mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I just, I absolutely loved it. I can see why people don't love it. But for me, as an Elvis fan, as I love his music, um, 
I just thought it was incredible. Like, did you oh, um, have you ever seen his movies? No. Yeah, I have. I'm into his. I'm into his like um, into his music. He did a lot of his, army films, didn't he? Yeah, his movies were really weird because they were just kind of like this. He played that sort of fish out of water character in a lot of the movies. Um, he's always pretending he weren't good looking. Yeah, <laughs> and, he, and he has this relationship with a girl and all this kind of thing. And when I was a kid, I just kind of really enjoyed them. I mean, I wasn't. And I'm kind of sure. Know, I can listen to his music. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a massive fan, but I did like his movies when I was a kid. I thought they were really cool. Yeah, I'll maybe them check them out one day, but I'm not. Massive rush, you know, like the stuff like the Beatles movies and Elvis. It just, it was just let's throw musicians <laughs> into the film. Do you know what I mean? It's, you can understand why he obviously was a hit musically, but actually, you know, this good-looking guy in movies. You can imagine. I don't actually know yeah. how old he was when he died, but he probably could have had quite Your a big movie fight, career. I imagine. Too. Yeah, very young. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, he's the thing is with it. I mean, the film does touch on his movie career, and you kind of was a big movie yeah. star and then faded out because people didn't like those films anymore. Like those types those type of films gaining, he was starring in. Weight. Yeah, those that type of films that were just like there isn't an ap- appetite for them anymore. That's been and I, gone. I can understand that. Yeah. So yeah, um yeah. he just yeah, and that's where the comeback special comes into it. The whole thing around that yeah. is just It's been years, hasn't it? It's it's amazing really. Uh, the first time he sings um If I Can Dream it's just Oh uh, even in, in the film, it's just oh, loved it. Right, we're gonna have to be quickly there, Biggie. What you been doing this week? Hopefully, it's been one of those bigger weeks where you've been doing fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've already spoken about um, minions, so yeah. The only other thing I did was um, watch a comedian that's on Netflix um, called okay. Joe Coy. He's um, half white, half Filipino. So my yes, wife put I it have on seen clips of him sitting down uh, watching it as well. Um, very funny guy. He, I, um, his father was uh, U.S. Air Force stationed in the Philippines. Met his mum, who's a Filipina. Um, and then they went to America. So he kind of grew up in America, but he's growing up with his Filipino mum is a very Filipino way of being brought up. Yep. So my wife absolutely thought it was hysterical, and he, he obviously does his acting American, but he's he trending does, big style on TikTok, mate. He big does style. this incredible. Um, Bit about accents where he picks on other Asian accents because you know he can he can do that I'm not going to do he it can. but he was he was fantastic um he's very crude as well and isn't afraid to touch any subject and one of the funniest things he does is there was a black guy in the audience he's talking about stereotypes and he just picked up on this guy who's married to a Filipino and he starts going on about you know stereotypes and you've probably got a big dick I bet you've got a big dick and this guy is obviously <laughs> laughing but you, you can imagine it getting a bit uncomfortable for him. Then he suddenly announces on stage, he goes, well, my problem is I've got a small dick. And he starts self-deprecating about that. And then he That's talks the clip about I've his... Seen. That's one and of then the he talks I've about seen. his son. And he says, his son says, like, Dad, does this ever grow? And he's like, no, you've got my small dick. It's a generational thing. And so his oh, poor God. son is going to get absolutely annihilated when it's on Netflix. <laughs> he's, he's still in high school. So he's going to get absolutely That's destroyed. That's true cost of but... fame. <laughs> oh, it, but it was funny. His whole skit about that is hilarious. But yeah, he, he, he pokes fun at accents. He's fantastic. Very, very funny. He's got two live shows that he's done, which are really worth watching. And then there's another one where he hosts it, but it's more like a, I've brought special guests and they come on and there's yeah. a bit of break dancing and the comedy and stuff. 
A bit but, of breakdance, um, like the normal things you see at comedy shows, a little bit of breakdancing. <laughs> but yeah, definitely check out his stand. If you, if you like stand-up comedy, then he is very funny and, and he's got some great um, observations as well. But yeah, I, I thought he was yeah. brilliant, really good. But my, my wife is absolutely cracking up with just recognising yeah. a lot of the things that his mum did as a Filipina. So yeah, check it Excellent. out. Excellent. Brilliant, brilliant. Busy week for all. Right, let's get on to the uh, the main topic at hand. So, this is it, guys. Our first themed main topic. I, I, I'll run with this one. Don't you worry. Don't you run it. W- worry. I wasn't worrying at all. You were. You were <laughs> sat there worrying. I could see you worrying. Ooh, nah. I'm worried now. Because what we're doing, we're doing summer theme for the next three episodes after this. And we're going to start, and this, this was Stig's idea, man, and it's perfect. It encapsulates everything. I think about with summer, it's summer blockbusters. I I know people think summer you'd be outside. When I were growing up, summer was getting into that aircon cinema. Oh yeah, and, <laughs> and fucking and get, and get escaping the sun. I am a vampire after all. So yeah, we're gonna do we're gonna do summer blockbusters. Um, I think it's just gonna be a very largely positive roundtable oh, yes. by the looks of things, and we're gonna start with. Gadget, the man who does love a cinema. I do love a cinema. Um, and uh, the one I'm talk- going to talk about is actually one of the first summer blockbusters I went to see in the cinema. Because um, mm. I didn't get to go to the cinema much when I was a kid, but, you know, it was a thing that, you know, birthdays and and that kind of thing that you... A mom, treat. Yeah, mum and dad would take us. But I remember there was one summer, I think my brother was away. <clears throat> yeah, my brother, mm. brother was away somewhere um, with a friend. So, like, my parents took us to see this one. I, I was 10 when this came out. Yeah, it was 10 when this came out. Uh, I want to talk about Independence Day. Oh! Yes. <laughs> Which is, like I say, the first, the, the first summer blockbuster I saw in the cinema. This is, uh, you know, this was made by Roland Emmerich back when he could make good films. Um, <laughs> uh, this is the... If you don't know what Independence Day is, what the fuck are you talking about? It, it's, it, it's the classic America <laughs> fuck yeah film where aliens come down to Earth on July 4th and set fire to everything. And then just tomorrow, yeah, which is, to, which is tomorrow, in fact, actually. And get uh, ready, they're coming. Yeah, it was released on July the third, nineteen ninety six. So you know, we're to- it was as we're talking about this. It's twenty six years old. Jesus! Oh fuck! <laughs> um, I feel old, but yeah, aliens, aliens come down just in time for Independence Day, take over the world. America, as usual, has to save the day. Um, and Bill Pullman gets to give the the the, the great American president speech about this. Is I our think he's brilliant day. in this one. I think yeah. Pullman's fantastic in this. And yeah, and Jeff Goldblum gets to give an alien ship of a computer virus with an Apple Mac. Don't you think? <laughs> don't you think? Right with, with, with Independence Day, I don't want to take your limelight, but Jeff Goldblum's the least Goldblum in Independence Day than he's ever been. It, it, watch it back; he's fucking jacked. The man's full of muscle at the time. He's not sex. He's not. He's not doing the sexy swooning though. He's just a nerd, isn't he? Yeah, but he's like a jack nerd. He's like he's a nerd that can yeah, kick the yeah. shit out of you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm being pithy about the film. I, I. I really enjoy the film. It. It. It's got some notable facts about it. For instance, it was the highest grossing Ooh. film of 1996. Um, which was also a. Hang on, where 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 I get? I just seen it on the Wikipedia. Is that a year before Titanic as well. Uh, so okay, so Independence Day, highest grossing film, 1996, beating other blockbusters such as Twister, Scream, good film, good film. Space Jam, film, Mission Impossible, 
Good film. Good film. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Film. Eraser. <laughs> film. And The Rock. Good Great film. film. Yeah, it Good beat film. all. It beat all of those films. It broke. Ooh. It broke the record for um, because because uh, Independence Day that year was on a Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this so the, the the released it on a Thursday so that you know it could be out in time for for people to they love that don't they for charts and stuff as well yeah so so this was the the um the highest grossing th- um Thursday of any film and t- which wouldn't be beaten until two thousand two by Attack of the Clones of all things what what the worst film ever made one of <laughs> I, I mean I mean bear in mind this is nineteen ninety six it earned one hundred and four million in its open week. That's fucking huge. It's absolutely fucking nuts for the time. Uh, it beats mm. Terminator 2's record for the scoring the largest five-day gross of any film. Wow. So, like, this did massive numbers. I remember it being huge when I was younger. It was like, this. the, the, looks the marketing campaign was massive. Yeah. It still looks great now. It, 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 does, it does look incredible now. Yeah. It, it it beat it beat the first week opening of Toy Story. You know, like the, this film was absolutely <laughs> enormous, and it it went on for ages. It broke so many records at the time, and like for me, this is like I know there have been blockbusters before this. You know, blockbusters. I think that had gone back to the kind of the seventies and that. But for me, yeah. this this was the first one where it's kind of like you get blockbusters as you get them now, where they become these big summer event films that hit all the marketing. Mm. You know, like this had fucking toys. It had it had a PlayStation game, which by all accounts was fucking terrible. Um, it's not good. Like, Apple, like uh, the reason why I pointed out that um, that Jeff Goldblum used an Apple Mac is because Apple did a promotion saying this laptop saves the world for the PowerBook at the time, which I, I remember seeing that advert in. in oh, PowerBook weren't movie. terrible. No, no, it was good. But that's like <laughs> that's the first time I was, I'd seen like kind of corporations advertising around a film like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, wow. And the and the th- the thing is, in the grand scheme of things, you know, it it's not the greatest film in the world. Will Smith is fine; he's doing Will, the Will Smith thing in it. Jeff well, Goldblum d- is fine in it. Judd Hirsch is fucking brilliant as a Jewish dad. He's the really role, good in it. The role he was born to play. Yeah. Uh, Bill Pullman is great as the president. Uh, Randy Quaid mm. plays crazy well because he's crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, he does. It had fantastic special effects for the time. Like the, I love the scene, the first attack scene where you get that slow motion set of explosions down Fifth Avenue in New York, mm. and the and the, like the buildings all kind of ex- exploding. Um, I love I love how they did that kind of that kind of effect. You know, because it's all practical effects. It's all models that are being exploded. It's fantastic. Um, I wish the, the amazing thing about that was I watched a documentary on them. And they built all these scale models. They were massive models, though, weren't they? Just blow them up. Yeah. And they're like, we have to do this in one take. One take. Otherwise, yeah. it sets us back weeks because we have to rebuild yeah. this model. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think I've seen the same one because I, I remember the special effects guys going and says, how, yeah. how, many, how many people get to say that you blew up the White House today? You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And yeah, oh, such a good film. Yeah, for all you, I mean, for, like you say, for all I'll take the piss and say, like you know, it is, it is an America fuck yeah film. Like the, the, the of one, it is. The, it's called Independence Day. <laughs> well, no, but like the, even so, like there's a, there's a bit where because these these massive fifteen mile wide alien ships are around the world. They're destroying cities everywhere. You get this one one bit where you've got the um, the British army in in Africa for some reason. And like, I've got it, the Yanks on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the the Americans have come up with a plan. Well, it's about bloody time. It's like, no, fuck off. 
That wouldn't Get happen. me a cup of tea. <laughs> Get yeah. onto the Jerry's. We'll tell them next. Yeah, exactly. And the, and obviously the, the even stupider thing is their solution to blowing up these ships. Obviously, they take down the the, the deflector shields, and they fly nuclear weapons into the ship. Over That's land. how you do it in America, baby. <laughs> You're going to do as much damage killing that ship with a nuke as the ship itself is going to do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. well, they they nuke one, don't they? Like their original plan is, yeah. we need to nuke it, and it nothing happens. Well, it the, just the, ir- irradiates LA. Yeah, yeah. well, well, well the, the nuke because <laughs> which hit- they allude on on this sequel actually that LA got fucked up. <laughs> yeah, they, they they hit the front. They basically hit the front of the ship, so it's like everything yeah. in front of it gets nuked, and like the, the way they have to work it is like the, the the doors open for it to attack Area Fifty One. And then Randy Quaid flies up with his with his one remaining nuke that won't fire because it's faulty American worksmanship. I'm um, back. Yeah, <laughs> I think like I say, it's a really fucking entertaining bullshit film. I really like it. That's what and, I like about it. There's there's no subtlety to it. There's no nuance to the film. It's just a good popcorn blockbuster. And it, the last thing I'll say on it as well, the, the awards like it won an Oscar for best visual effects, which it absolutely it thoroughly deserved. Got nominated for loads of other awards, like the Saturn Awards, Kids' Choice Awards, MTV Movie Awards. But looking on the Wikipedia, the most favourite thing is um, so Universe Read Universe Readers Choice Awards won Best Writing. Mm-hmm. Next line down, Golden Raspberry Awards Worst Written Film of t- 1996. <laughs> I don't think it's written very well at all. Well, there's a few there's a, there's a few moments of like. Oh, that's 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 a nice bit of prose, but other than that, there's there's nothing major in it. But do you know do you know who was up before Will Smith for the role of Stephen Hiller? Hiller? No, Ethan Hawke. Ooh. That would have been a very different film. Yeah. And he got Will he Smith is perfect as, um, for that role. He, he, he just, got the, he he got just, the script yeah. and rejected it because he said it's one of the worst things I've ever read. <laughs> <laughs> He's notoriously picky though, Ethan Hawke. Oh yeah, but, uh, just I just thought that was a nice, a funny little fact. So, it would have been a more of a household name if it had done it as well. Yeah, but <laughs> just, it, it, welcome it also, to Worth. Yeah, it all, it also ushered <laughs> yes. in like blockbusters being disaster films. This was nineteen ninety six, so nineteen ninety seven you got Dante's Peak and Volcano. Nineteen ninety eight you got Deep Impact and Armageddon. Armageddon, yeah. Um, th- then you know, obviously Emmerich went on to do Day After Tomorrow in twenty twelve and White House Down. <laughs> so it's just Olympus has fallen. Yeah, disaster films came. Disaster films being the blockbusters kind of came from this one. After you had that run of the like the ones in the seventies of like Towering Inferno and the Poseidon Adventure Poseidon. and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, oh, Independence I, Day. Hello. I, I think that's yeah, that's what a lot of summer blockbusters are. A bit of peril when everything's fine. You know what I mean? You, you get, you're getting took away for an hour and a half or two hours. And, and at the end, most of them just, yay. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, also, just seen on the Wikipedia, and I'm going to have to get this and read it and review it, there is an Italian novel version of the film. Um, oh, mate, I'm getting that. And the novel presents the film's finale as originally scripted, with the character played by Randy Quaid stealing a nuclear missile and roping it to his crop duster. Of course he does. <laughs> That's what you should do. Because nukes definitely go off just by being banged. Clearly, yeah. <laughs> just bang the end of it. You don't have to nuke. trigger him. You never have to trigger him. <laughs> fucking oh, God, Emmerich, Emmerich's a fucking hack, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. Good pick, though. Fantastic pick. That is a summer blockbuster. Biggie, you've seen many summers. Come on. 
I have, but uh, I have to say right off the bat that I actually didn't I didn't see this in the cinema because I was too young when this actually came out. But I, I have seen it, obviously. Oh, Wizards of Oz? Metropolis. Raiders of the Lost Ark. You weren't too young for Raiders, you liar. Oh, it came out in 1981, so it would have made you me were seven. Born in 1951. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, yes, it's the American action adventure directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Lawrence Kasdan of Empire Strikes Back fame, um, and also um, was based on a story by George Lucas and Philip Kauf- Kaufman. So mm-hmm. yeah, George Lucas dipped his hand in this as well. It's definitely it a Lucasfilm film, film isn't it? Yeah, it stars Harrison Ford, of course, Karen Allen, Paul Freeman, Ronald Lacey, John Reese davis and Denham Elliott, to mention a few. Ford plays Indiana Jones, a trotting archaeologist, vying with the Nazi German forces in 1936 to recover the lost Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, this I was poking fun at Stig um, last week after the pod about how many times he'd watched Infinity War and Hamilton, but... I must have watched Reddit's of the Lost Ark so many times, and I watched it last night. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's still superb, still incredible movie. Um, it is basically based on sort of all those serial films of the early 20th century, those sort of Flash Gordon adventure romps that used to pulps that you used to see on TV and books. I mean, it, the idea of this movie was delivered absolutely perfectly, and. Um, it also became very big, one of the biggest VHS sellers. So when it actually went to video, which is obviously how I saw it, um, it was one of the, the very big first blockbusters to make so much money via that. It's nice. apparently earned 330.5 million worldwide. And it's played in some theaters at, at that time for over a year. Can you imagine going to the cinema and they're still showing that movie for a year? I mean, incredible. It's crazy, isn't it? it? It was nominated for several awards. Uh, it won five Academy Awards, seven Saturn Awards. I don't know what that is. And won BAFTA. Um, it's still considered to be one of the greatest films ever made and has had such a lasting impact on culture. Um, so many imitators, um, so many people have tried to do it. I mean, you've got things like, I don't know, you've had The Mummy, National, National Treasure, Treasure, Alan Quartermass yeah. or something. Was that right? Nine. Quartermain. Quartermain. Um, there's, and lots of other. You've got Un- Uncharted. Tomb Raider which Tomb Raider yeah I mean at the end of the day it's still incredible that a movie that old has still never really been bettered in my opinion it just happened to nail it and a lot of it is down to Harrison Ford I think when you first see Indy at the beginning of the movie you already get this idea that this is not the first time he's done this that there's history behind this character his first rodeo (laughs) that he knows what he's doing and um, yeah, he's trying to get that golden idol from the Peruvian temple that's obviously full of booby traps. Oh, Escape from the temple is just incredible with the ball um, that is chasing him down. I mean, apparently it was a real set, 65 foot. Harrison Ford did something like 10 Alpha takes. Alpha Melina nearly get killed. Um, I don't know about that, but yeah, it's the first performance it, yeah. of Alfred Molina um, when you first see him. Um, I can imagine. Uh, a lot of these actors actually did their own stunts apart from some of the obvious stuff. <laughs> but I think Ford delivers confidence with his characters that, that you know they've got this history behind them. As he's later on quoted, it says, it's not the years, honey, it's the mileage. And you can just tell that Indiana Day Jones has had this sort of adventure before. Um, Harrison Ford is great. Is, so, is the perfect actor to play him because every role that he's in, he plays as I would rather be anywhere else than here. 
Yeah, he's disdain. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> That's just been his entire and style for his entire I, career. If, if, if obviously everyone knows that it was going to be Tom Selleck, I'm so fucking glad it wasn't. Oh god, because he'd have been he'd have been more James Bond, wouldn't he? He'd have been giving it mm. that. And well, I feel like still would have worked. I feel like Harrison view, Ford, but... like he, he is a hit with the women, but I don't think he could care less if he wasn't. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think with the cast around him, with like uh, Denim Elliott as Marcus Brody, who comes into his oh, own yes. as go on. But he, he, he's just so classic as a sort of really loyal friend. The old flame, um, Karen Allen as Marion Ravenwood, she's amazing in this. And then she's he's fantastic in it. John Reese Davis as uh, Salah as well. Um, the vulnerability that you do finally see with Indy is obviously he's afraid of snakes. And in this movie, they had anything between um, six to 10,000 snakes that they tried to get for that uh, well of the sold scene. And apparently, yeah, none of them they ran out of, And some of it, they ran out of uh, anti venom as well. They had to import some from India. So a lot of the snakes obviously um, had their issues. There was a plexiglass from the famous scene with the cobra in front of Harrison Ford. So yeah. they obviously didn't attack him directly. But again, you yeah, see that's the reflection, can't you, of the plexiglass? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he don't, he don't, don't take you out of it. I, I, I'm, I'm, that's my biggest, Snakes is my biggest fear, and that scene fucks me up. And also the scene at the beginning with the snakes in the boat, yeah, that's my pet, when he gets in the boat, <laughs> and, oh, in the plane, sorry, I fucking, uh, uh, hate snakes. Having watching it again last night, the stunts still look incredible. The fist fighting, maybe not so much, that's probably dated. The gunfight. a lot of you know. sound effect fist fighting. Like, oh, definitely. Yeah, with someone smacking a piece of ham yeah. or melon. Yeah. But um, it's still delivered with the fun that you wanted from this movie. And I think there's a great scene uh, later on um, where Harrison Ford is trying to rescue Marion again. And he's standing on the canyon. Uh, this was supposed to be in Egypt, but it was actually filmed in Tunisia. And it's the same canyon that was used in Star Wars as well. Um, and he was going to fire a rocket launcher at the Ark. It brilliantly shows that even though he thought he could save Marin, at the end of the day, he's still an archaeologist and he couldn't bring himself to destroy something that he desperately wanted to actually see for himself, which I think was really cool. You um, what's inside the ark? Death. It, <laughs> it's from death, it's the Ten it? Commandments. It's ten supposed commandments. to be the Ten Commandments, but it's all dust, yeah. isn't it? it, it when they open it's it all up, dust. It, it's just all <laughs> grains of sand, whatever it is that's in there. Don't spoil um, it for people that have never watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. All one of them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the music again was provided by John Williams and he now has the famous Raiders March theme. Um, yeah. It went on to have two official sequels and TV series. Um, there have been books and games and everything that. else uh, based on the character. But I loved it. You know, I've always been a big fan of it. And like Oodles has mentioned before that Indiana Jones the Temple of Doom is a little bit problematic. Yeah, and I did see that in the cinema. Um, mm. But I still love them. Um, I just think even now, even though there's still going to be an Indy 5, which I just can't believe is actually still happening, but the fact that they've never technically got anyone else to play this character, because I really don't think at the moment if there really is anyone out there who could. Because Not with that much Harrison disdain. Ford, everyone, most actors like being actors. He doesn't. <laughs> Never yeah, if, if if you think of all the people that um, all the roles that Harrison Ford has played, um, I still think that he absolutely fucking owned indie. It, I just yeah, can't it see it anyone else ever playing it that way if they ever decided it's to remake. It's the fact that he smiles about three times a film, 
And when he get when he does that, you're like, yes, that's my boy. You know, just ask Shia, Shia LaBeouf to like, you know, do, do a sequel with his character from Crystal Skull. Oh, <laughs> it doesn't exist. But yeah, uh, it, 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 it's, it's just it's just fantastic. It, it's such a good movie. And I enjoyed it, is, it. I know every beat watching it last night. I just sat there and I was just like, this is still so good. And has never been better in my personal opinion. Even with the sequels, as much as I love them, I still think Raiders is the best. Spielberg for you, isn't it? He does, yeah. he does a Legend. film about a shark. Never been bettered. He does a dinosaur film. Never been bettered. Does an action adventure with it, you know, like an archaeologist kind of globetrotter. Never been bettered. Just the man he changed war movies, didn't he? The man you just has mean? this ability to nail it, and then everything that tries to ape it or imitate it just it's not can't, can't live up to it. He ruins he's, it for everyone is, else. <laughs> Spielberg is undeniably the king of blockbusters. I, I don't. I, I'd argue anyone over that. There's no. There's, there's no one better. So we'll move on to me. Um, mine's not like your guys' absolute <clears throat> incredible films, where it's all everyone knows and loves them. Oh, maybe not so much with Gadget because there's a lot of haters on Independence Day. But <laughs> mine's mine, mine's quite underrated. <laughs> but it's a personal. I, I I love this. So a summer blockbuster usually has to have bombast or change what can be done with cinema. Sometimes they're simply dumb, fun action films like we've discussed. And not many people can hit the moniker of summer blockbuster legends like Spielberg, Brockenheimer, Mann, Emmerich and Bay. Their direction and script work is sometimes second to none. Caveat sometimes. <laughs> and Pioneering most of the time. Uh, summer blockbusters can be quite pioneering with cinematography, combining practical effects and CGI and stuff like that, especially as years have gone on. And then the, 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 there are auteurs. Like Spielberg's an auteur. The directors that have got an instant vision for all their work, making you think that's, that's one of theirs. It's undeniably them. So the film I'm bringing to the table is a film... I know many people don't care for, but for me, it's a perfect adaptation of the source material. It released in 2008, on the 11th of July. Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. (laughs) You didn't expect that. So, directed by one of my personal favourites, Guillermo del Toro. Um, It's my second favourite of his films, starring Ron Perlman, Selma Blair, Doug Jones, Seth MacFarlane and Luke Goss. Now, if you don't know what Hellboy 2 is, here's a, a bit of a synopsis. So, after saving the world from the evil Russian mystic Grigory Rasputin in Hellboy, the red-skinned, gun-toted demon is back to protect the world once again. So far, so same. But what this does, it introduces some new characters in the Hellboy mythos. But if you, if you like the book, I don't know if you guys ever read Hellboy. I know. I fucking loved Hellboy. And the first one didn't quite get it, if you get me. They didn't, I really, didn't I really capture like the first what, one. I do. I do. It's not. I, I just. I know what Udo says. I know what he means. Leagues by better. Yeah. It's the second one's leagues better because it, it's a globe trotting adventure. Um, so it's a film that showcases every side of the multifaceted Mexican genius. There's the spellbinding fairy tale visuals with emotional subtext reminiscent of Pan's Labyrinth. There's the blockbuster thrills of Pacific Rim. There's Luke Goss. <laughs> Back flipping. 
It's a step up on every level from the first Hellboy, in my opinion. I honestly can't think of a single thing wrong with it at all. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I love it. It's, it's brilliant. I didn't really like Hellboy 1, so I never bothered. I've seen it. Oh, it the second one, it's, it's super fucking... I think it's special, and people don't talk about it enough. It does... If you're not into Del Toro, you won't like it. It's that simple. It's not a Hellboy film. It's Del Toro flexing his muscles a little bit, his directing muscles to take something that he clearly loved, an adaptation, and turn it into this... It's a fantasy. It's it's not a superhero, um, it's not a superhero um, film like the first one was. This is like a fantasy. It's for me. It, it gives me. It gives me like vibes of like Time Bandits and Willow and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's fucking. You you get me, don't you? Because and they, they go the to fucking graphic. Ireland and then there's loads of Irish folklore and stuff like. It's fucking. Oh, it's fantastic. The, the graphic novel itself is is more mm. for that comic medium. It works better as a graphic novel because yeah, it's about the creatures. It's about the law behind. The really dark side of the things yeah. that they're trying to track down, and the first and I never film thought is just the, the movie origin story. Yeah, it was just telling that story, but the second one delved a bit more into that. I totally agree. Mm. I just you, you've got you've got moments where like Hellboy and Abe Sapien are getting that that that's a sidekick double act thing back to, like they should have, not like there was on the first one where they were just at each other's throat all the time. It's just I, I just think it's brilliant. Uh, the the, the follow-up with David Arbour, the remake, didn't like. Didn't like no, it. I've seen it, but I heard it wasn't that, good. That had some interesting ideas and managed to systematically fuck all of them up. Yeah, yeah, I, like, yeah like, absolutely. I, the, the only thing I liked in the David Harbour one was the kind of the troll fight. Yeah, yeah I like that bit. That's, that's cool. And, that's uh, what I like about Hellboy, when he's fighting mystical creatures. That's what he is. That's what he does. The art style in the graphic novel is really... Mm. It just suits that story it so well. It's all about the art as much as the story. It's very hard to deliver. And Del Toro is probably the the only person that could ever really pull that off, I think, get ever close to it, I think. It was the best yeah, and choice. The second, it literally is the best. It's like when Del Toro did Blade 2. That's the best one in that as well, in, in his little, in Blade. I, I just think he's, he, he's one of those blockbuster movie, but he can also go and do something a bit more cerebral and a bit, Crazy like Pan's Labyrinth, or Shape That's of Water, Shape of Water, things like that. It's just he can, oh, he can do Pacific Rim. I mean, Pacific Rim one's a right laugh, two, it's all right, but it's I, actually, yeah, just, oh, Pacific Rim one's a. I feel like Kaiju and Max, mate. I was what like this, woo, all fucking way through it. I loved it, but yeah, Elboy two. I think anyone listening to this, and even if you've seen it but you haven't gone back to it. It's a nice breath of fresh air from those typical um, Marvel films and stuff like that and DC films and all that. It's, I think it's nigh on perfect adaptation. I really do. And I, f- I think Biggie kind of agrees with me on that one. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, was it actually based on a particular comic? I can't remember if yeah, the story it's, it's, was new. I, can't, yeah, it's, I thought I'd read The storyline is, is a mixture of two of, two of the uh, novels and, and then just given him his, then Luke Goss. Just put Luke Goss in it, <laughs> basically, because he's really fine. good at backflipping. Yeah, he's really good. <laughs> Mate, he's one of the best choreographers in the world. He's fucking insane. But yeah, he's just great. The scene, that Biggie with the go to the fairy market and stuff like that. Remember that? It's, oh, it's it was, fucking it was fantastic. Incredible, yeah. I must go it's back. It's fantastic. 
I mean, Seth MacFarlane's probably the weakest thing in it, but it's not offensive. Again? What did he do? I can't remember. Who was his role in that? He's the Klaus, the uh, the the, um, the 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 mist, the vapor that's in the diving oh. suit. Was he? <laughs> he's was all it? right. Yeah, yeah, that's him. That's him doing a German accent. Yeah, he's the worst thing in it, but he's he's not even terrible. But it's, yeah, I just I just I fucking love Elboy too, and I never hear people chat about it. And that's what pisses right, me off. Everyone always talks about Elboy one, saying I really like Elboy one. I never got to watch two like that. Fucking watch two. It's fucking best. Love it. That's mine. Stig. Well, Gadget talked about the highest grossing film in 1996. I'm going to talk about the highest grossing film in 1997. Me. He's trying. He's trying to one up you there. <laughs> um, also starring Will Smith. So Will Smith had a very good year to back to back in 96 and 97. Mate, he had a good run. He had a good he run did. for a few years, mate. Um, I went to see this film with um, some school friends. Uh, it was someone um, booked it as a party, got to cinema and watched this film, and this was the film he was desperate to see. And it's a lot of fun. It stars Tommy Lee Jones as well, and it's Men in Black. Yeah, boy. Uh, also, it's Gadget's st- favourite film, isn't it? I love, I, yeah, I love Men in Black. It's a fucking great film. Men in Black yeah. is so good. Um, I... It also stars uh, Vincent D'Onofrio and Rip Torn as well. And if... And... Uh, Linda... And... Fiorentino, but... Tommy Lee Jones. I did say, I already said Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, did you? I didn't hear you. Sorry, I thought you'd missed it. I see you yeah. talking over me. <laughs> There's a delay. So yes, this stars Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith in the uh, lead roles and it is about a secret uh, government organisation who have to deal with aliens who live on Earth and live among us. And I think the premise is brilliant, the fact that on Earth there is aliens kind of living as humans. They're all just living their own lives as humans. Immigrants, aren't they? Yeah, and the men in black are this organisation that has to just basically keep them in check so they don't go too rogue and start killing us all. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, Vincent D'Onofrio's character uh, gets uh, kind of infected and taken over by one of these aliens, and he does try to leave Earth in an attempt to kill us all. And it is their job to uh, protect the universe. And I just... It's its so much fun. It's a great action comedy. It's... the, the Tommy Lee Jones is a straight man. Will Smith is the funny man, and they just play yeah. off each other so well. Um, it's uh, it's full of great like little moments where just beautiful comedy, where just some so, something so simple like when they go to that kiosk and Will Smith is going talking about oh this guy look he looks horrendous you can tell he's an alien look at look yeah at him. and then it's actually the little dog that's the alien yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There are some oh, beautiful moments like that. that. That kind of bit as well, where he's like, "Oh, um, he, he's they're going through all the guns. They've got all these like real special cool guns." Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> picks up this big massive blaster, and Wilson's like, "Yeah, this is what I'm talking about." He's like, "No, you're still in training. You have the little cricket, and it's this no, tiny it's little cricket, gun, which is the worst. It's the most powerful gun <laughs> yeah, ever. But it's a proper. You're in training. Gun. You have the most powerful gun we've got. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's an absolutely brilliant moment of comedy when like Jay first fires it." 
and gets launched through the shop. Launched. <laughs> fucking <Yeah>. launched. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just remember seeing this in the cinema, having a lot of fun. Um, the, the premise, again, is a lot of fun. The action, comedy, just everything about it is just. I still think it's great now. In fact, some of the effects uh, for a 97 film as oh, well God. still yeah. hold up. Uh, yeah, specifically, uh, D'Onofrio with all the kind of rubber face and yeah, pulling his fit, his, his, oh, his he uh, is, head back. He nearly steals that movie, doesn't he? He's so good. Yeah, I don't pretty much ever seen his movement. The way he moves and talks as he progressively gets worse and his, as his body starts to deteriorate. And then right yeah. at the end, he just like pulls all the skin off it as well. Like, so it's got a little, kind of a little bit of a horror element to it as well, hasn't yeah. it? Uh, I, love, yeah. I, I, love, I love that moment. It's kind of at the end after the, the like, shot his ship down and he's, and he's getting out of it. Like, you idiots! You think yeah. this matters? In fact, in a minute, you're not going to be matter. It's not going to be matter. I love yeah. that line. It's, but it's so like good. it's his delivery as well. It's just like this pure rage that he manages to put yeah. forward. Like Vincent, Vincent Offer is an actor that needs a lot more attention. He's so good. Uh, he I, is I fucking love him. Yeah, he's it's amazing at the moment. It's a kingpin. Oh. Okay, man. He nailed but Yeah, that, do you know though. he researched that role by watching book uh, book documentaries. So he actually like cockroach. researched how like bugs move and stuff. Um, wow! And he put on a knee brace so he couldn't bend his legs. And like, the- yeah, he walked with his like feet forward, didn't he? Rather than yeah. his body forward. It's so weird. Taped his ankles and and like, so he, his legs were all rigid and the way and he, he moved. Just his head, he turns his head with his body. Wasn't it's human. Fucking cool. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just looking on the Wikipedia. Apparently, Vincent D'Onofrio was the third in line for that role. Oh no, he was born to play it. First, first was John Turturro. I, I can actually see that though. And the second work. was Bruce Campbell. Oh, now he'd have hammed it up too much. He would have, but it'd have been, it'd it'd have been, been going a very groovy. different film. <laughs> 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 oh, I'd like to see that, but I, I just think, yeah, Donofrio plays would. that. I think Donofrio does uh, steal that scene, but yeah, I just, I kind of just, again, like the, the whole concept of the aliens living on Earth is like really cool. Like they have that visual in the, when they, when they go down to the, Men in Black, um, like underground bunker, and yep. it has all these like celebrities on the wall. It's like Danny DeVito <laughs> and and Sylvester Stallone, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, people like that. They're all all aliens. They're all aliens <laughs> living among us, but no one knew. And then they obviously play on that in the sequels. You have like like some, I think Michael Jackson and Lady Gaga. Are, no, uh, Michael Jackson's not an alien. He just wants to join the MIB. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I keep saying. I thought he was an alien and he just wanted to join. No, if you remember, if you remember it's in that. the second film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. he's mentioned. He mentioned now he just wants us to join. He's, 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 <laughs> he's always trying like to call, isn't man he? In black. Yeah, they're yeah, always like yeah. putting one hold and like hang up boys. on him. <laughs> what? Fucking hell, mate! Jesus, I did. I did want to mention on on Men in Black, like Barry Sonnenfeld. He like they adapted because the comic's so dark. And it's not a, what it's based on. It's not a comedy comic. You know what I mean? It's proper dark and yeah. government organizations and stuff like that. It's still got aliens in it, but the adaptation to this, I bet there were people pissed off at the time that this is not this is not my Men in Black. But he turned it into a franchise. He, I, I don't. It's I think it's mesmerizing how they how they did it. Well, Tommy it's Lee great. Jones um, got them mm. to rewrite things because the original script wasn't in keeping with the tone of the comics. So yeah. he obviously, they obviously 
played this off more for laughs. Um, yeah. You know, getting someone like Will Smith in, you can't, you know, you're not yeah. going to get Will Smith in it in the 90s to do a serious role. Because he was, he was, was def- a comedy actor then, he was, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, comedy action. You know, he's he's yeah. the comedy in Independence Day. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I also kind of love the film, the aspects of film, like the, the galaxy, th- the whole subplot with the galaxy being yeah. in like, yeah. just in that marble and then and yeah it's a bit silly right at the end but then you kind of could think about it and goes no one really knows what our space yeah. is and is our galaxy and are we within our own bubble or not like you don't, yeah. we don't it's a, it's really a, it's know a, it's do a nice we? little thought we'll never know yeah mm. it's like it's our existence like is just a marble yeah. <laughs> yeah. remember so is men in black 2 okay is it the third no. one shit no two no, is terrible they haven't Two's really bad. The the the, three's watchable. We're a bit of popcorn. It's not good. It's just watchable. The, 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 and then that Men in Black International. I've I've reviewed that on here years a, a few years. It's, yeah. it's turgid. <laughs> it's fucking horrendous. It's not hit the heights sequel, of that first wasn't they, one. They switched their roles around or something, didn't they? Well, because well, no, no. he retired, didn't he? And then he yeah, tried men, to get yeah, back men, out of retirement. Yeah, Men, men in Black Two. The first half of the film is him trying to deneuralize K. And bring him back yeah. to back because there's some threat. But the the problem was the, the it was like studio interference. Like the film's only like 90 minutes long. It like yeah, it's used not to be long. longer. It just I remember seeing the second one in the cinema and like the credits rolling. I'm like, is that it? Like it yeah. feels like it should be a much longer film than it is. And Johnny Knoxville is one of the villains. I didn't mind him so much on all that. I didn't, didn't like the main. Uh, yeah, he was alright. I think Lara Flynn Boyle was terrible. Oh, yeah, she, she was, was fucking god awful. Uh, like uh, uh, the film's obviously set up so it's meant to be uh, Jay and. Is it L? She's like L at the end. Laurel. Um, L. Yeah. But I think I'm. There's some back behind the scenes shit. She didn't come back, did she? Yeah. So that's why they think they brought Tommy Lee Jones back in the sequel. But uh, Gadget touched on it there that the idea of the neutralizers I think is brilliant and works really well. Like yeah. people have seen. Why do we not know about this? Well, because we She's get been neutralized. Yeah, because we wipe people's memories, and they can play. They play with that really well in a, in a comedic way as well. Um, they do it on one of the films where it's the Statue of Liberty is the big one, isn't it? That's the that's uh, Men in Black Two. Yeah, yeah, big neuralizer. That's how they get away with it on a global scale and stuff. Fucking crazy, man. I do, I, I do like the mythos of Men in Black. Yeah, of of course. What sets this film though apart from Independence Day mm. is that this film got a banging single from it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's uh, and that's what's playing as art this episode. It has to be. It fucking has to and be. In black. I love that song. When Will Smith used to do a theme tune to his movies. Dance with me. Just <laughs> loved it. with me. I think the, nod your head's the modern, better. The, the modern day Dennis Waterman. Yeah. No, yeah. but even even with Wild Wild West, the song is good. Oh, the song's <laughs> film isn't. Awesome. The film I love the song. It I love catchy. We do Wild Wild West. Yeah, the, the film's West, Desperado, Rough Rider. No, that's playing us out. <laughs> No, I nod your head yeah. for the Many Black Two. That's the best thing to come from that film. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah. Nod your head's good. a banger. Yeah, did you do one for Men in Black Three that was absolutely shite. Uh, yeah, it was something like I think the. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're back in. We're not back in black, but somewhere along those lines, the the, the blacks it was, it, it, back it, it, or it, it, something. Yeah, but it was his like angry rap phase. <laughs> yeah, there. I'm still not gonna swear did he though. Do one for that three? kind of. Thing. Or was it that he didn't do one? And that's talking about the Oscars. I can't remember. Yeah. I think the last one he did one for was Hitch. Oh, I fucking hated Hitch. 
He definitely didn't do one for Pursuit of Happiness because that wouldn't have been totally accurate. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> the Pursuit of Happiness. But yeah, um, I mean, we've mentioned so many of my favourite summer blockbusters on this pod before, so I want to go with something I'd never talked about. Um, yeah, man. Uh, so that's why I chose Men in Black. I think it's an absolute cracker. It's one I saw in the cinema. And yeah, it's mm. a hell, hell of a lot of fun. If you've never seen Men in Black, um, you really need to watch <laughs> Where it. Where have you been? Yeah, oh, there might have been neuralized. Oh. It is a really good, fun film. Ah, actually, I, I, sorry, just going back to what I was saying about Men in Black 2, I was really wondering why the, the ending was tinkered with. And I, I found out why. Principal photography began on June 11th, 2001 and ended on September 23rd, 2001. Ah, okay, Climax of the story was originally filmed against the backdrop of the Twin Towers in the original World Trade ah. Centre. So the climax, like Spider-Man then. So the whole ending of it had to be completely reworked and to not include yeah. those scenes. So that explains that why the Spider-Man ending was kind of sudden. <laughs> okay, Fair that's the good, uh, grumble, as excuses go. About that. Yeah, not the good, good excuse. Not going to grumble against that. No, no way, no way, no way. Brilliant. Thank you. Excellent, excellent, excellent. What I want to know is if our blockbuster listeners have got any summer blockbusters that they like. They do. They do. They, they have busted some blocks and written in. So we'll start with Xenos. <laughs> who starts his correspondence off well with saying, I don't watch a lot of films. Uh, See ya. <laughs> uh, we so, do. Yeah. He says, you would think I wouldn't have seen anything that counted as a summer blockbuster, but I have watched one film in the cinema that I think counts. Mr. Christopher Nolan's Inception from 2010. Love it. Yeah, that counts. While I was in secondary school, I used to go to the cinema every couple of months with friends, and I'll be blunt, almost everything we ended up seeing was a so bad it's good at best. Some of them were downright mm-hmm. terrible. Inception is the only notable exception to that, and that it's a pretty good film made by someone who understands how films are supposed to work. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I picked it because it was still screening in August. That meant I could take it, uh, make it my birthday thing, and I'm glad I did. The rotating corridor fight is still one of the most impressive pieces of physical work I've ever seen in a film. And there's also this bit where they clearly built two versions of the same staircase with exactly the right angles to not be able to see the change until the camera moves. Oh, and one of the car chases they had to fake a rainstorm in L.A., Turns out you can do that. You just need a whole lot of water cannons. Uh, the weather apparently the weather refused to cooperate, so they made their own. Aren't special effects great? Yes, I love Inception. I think it's brilliant, it's and the music awesome. is incredible. Mm. Main theme time is just. I think it's, it's a, cla- a classic yeah. piece of music for me. I absolutely love it. I think I think it's peak Christopher Nolan, like because I don't think I don't think since he's managed to top it. Not for me. He hasn't. Um, people all. People bang on about in, um, Interstellar. Um, Interstellar had all the potential to top it, but it shit the bed in the end. Yes, uh, and the whole, the whole now when it comes to love. Christopher Nolan, it's it's all prestige, Batman, and this. Yeah, that's what, that, that's what it is for me anyway. Although, although you can't really count Dark Knight Rises and that because that was shit as well. I don't. I don't think it was shit. <laughs> just, I, just I don't think. Like it, it, I don't think it's just, bad. Well, it, it's just just a, it just had it. Just it um, just. There's some bad decisions in there, but and there's also it just it had to follow up the Dark Knight, which is tough to yeah. do. Well, exactly. Speaking of which, Ray has come in saying my favourite summer blockbuster is of course the Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. First of all, <laughs> it's go. exciting to watch from a unique art style that catches the spirit of the source material to a storyline well balanced between thriller and action, with a top-notch soundtrack and performance served on top of the uh, making the film making a perfect banquet for summer. Secondly, the movie can be described as genre-defining, but there is still nothing quite like it after almost 15 years. The mimickers tried to replicate the Dark Knight's success, but only got dim graphics in return. As such, there is still one and only of its kind. 
Oh, there's lots of good blockbusters. I have no difficulty in picking this one as my favorite. Yeah, fucking. But I mean, the new The Batman, that's fucking. In my head, I still skirt. Is Dark Knight better than that, or is the new Batman better? I think you could probably you can probably argue that they're equally good in different ways. Yeah, because yes, one one is much. one is full summer blockbuster. One's a Batman cerebral. Film. Yeah, one's a bit more. I don't you know, guys watch like Batman again the second time around yet? Because I think I'd like to go back and watch it again. To I've watched it three times. I haven't found oh, have. time to watch it for three hours. <laughs> I've got other no, stuff to I watch. Play, I'd like to go so. back and see it. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, but yeah, I I really like the Dark Knight, and there's there's plenty of moments in it which are, um, which just always stick in my mind. Like the the one that always keeps going with me is when they flip the truck, and that being oh, a god, it's so good. That being a practical effect as well, like they've really flipped a fucking truck. <laughs> yeah, they did it. Opening heist is awesome. Really cool. Yeah, the opening heist is great. I love the um. It's 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 that kind of that that monologue from the from a uh, Joker at the it's at the very end where like um, Batman's kind of looking out over the two ferries that are going in different directions, um, and you've got the Joker hanging upside down just giving his whole chaos speech. I fucking love that whole sequence. Yeah, fuck, that is a summer blockbuster, man. Yeah, uh, Adam Galitely saying uh, for me it's got to be Jurassic Park in the summer of '93. Me, me mum, me dad, and me grand were off. No, sorry. Uh, me, me mum, me dad, and me sister went with a family friend and their kids. I remember it well, hmm. just as a, just as the, eh? I remember it well, just as the lawyer who was sent to check on the park was eating the lawyer. Lawyer. Learn to write, Adam. The lawyer who was sent to check on the park was eaten <laughs> on the loo by the T Rex. I absolutely shit myself and wished I'd sat with my mum. That film was the talk of the playground for what seemed like years, and it's still in my top three films of all time now. Yeah, we were banned from picking Jurassic Park. <laughs> We've talked about it enough. Because it is the best film ever made. <laughs> We've talked about it enough recently. <laughs> yeah. In some opinion. Uh, it is the best film ever made, Biggie. Unanimously voting. Uh, Lee, Davi- not argue it. Lee Davis has said, uh, Raiders, mate. I'll add that it has great cinematography, iconic lead performance, and one of the best soundtracks, and it's the first film I saw at the cinema. That's a pretty high standard to start with, isn't it? That's Biggie and Lee Davis entering a romance now. Yeah. And last up, it's Best Boy Angry Kurt. Uh, my favourite summer blockbuster is the recent film Top Gun Maverick. I'm really surprised how much I enjoyed this film as merely a week before seeing it, I watched the original and thought it was very average. I, In fact, I thought it was so boring <laughs> I didn't hold up much hope for Maverick, but I adored it and would say it's my favourite action film ever after Die Hard. The action nice. was just so well choreographed and I felt genuine peril for the characters involved. It was superbly shot and I was gripped throughout. <clears throat> Granted, I did see that the 4D IMAX cinema, which would no doubt heighten the experience, but I think it would have been equally as good without, and I can't wait till it's released on Blu-ray to buy, which is something I only do for my all-time favourite films. Yeah, it's incredible. I, I've, I think gun. I've missed my chance to see it, because obviously um, I'm seeing Thor this week, and now really want to see Elvis. I'm not going to get a chance to see Top Gun. I watched Top Gun, watch it on the original the night before we saw Maverick, and it's really funny watching the original, which is fine. And the you know the the, the scenes with the planes is, is absolutely fine. It's dated a bit. Then you go and see Maverick, you're like, "Fuck it out!" <laughs> is it like a different fucking dimension? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> totally, totally. Do you think uh, in his 4D? Do you think he had like a 
a yoke and a throttle and stuff. Well, no, that's we the thing where it like, blows air in your face and moves the chairs and stuff like that, doesn't it? Oh, that'd make me sick. <laughs> I'd be I dead. See it with that. How can I nip off for a poo when chairs flipping around? <laughs> be fucked. Oh, oof. excellent, excellent. Thank you very much, very much for writing in. So, as always, links to all our extracurricular activities are in the show notes and at modernescapism.co.uk and please consider becoming a patron to help support our endeavour. Next week, we're continuing our summer theme with the big fat Modern Escapism Summer Barbecue. It's going to be wild. Trust me. Because barbecues, they come and go, but so do we. (laughs) But don't forget... (laughs) Alien RPG. Yes, this the Saturday. Alien RPG. Another blockbuster. Oh, I can't stop thinking about this. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited. So hyped for it. I've read. I've read through the scenario so many times. I'm. I'm ready for this. So, uh, join us 7:30 p.m. Saturday, mm. 9th, the 9th of July. Uh, Twitch.tv yep. forward slash Modern Escapism. All five of us are playing. Plus Jack from the Sequelizers. He's he's joining in as well. So I get to kill someone. Someone from another podcast, which is brilliant. Um. Try. The, the the VOD will be up the next day and it's going to hit, if you can't watch it or you don't want to watch it or you're just happy to listen to it, it's going to be on both the Modern Escapism and the Scorch Sheep podcast feeds about a week later when I get a chance to edit yeah. it. For you guys that have, have listened to us for and you've not dipped your toe into Scorch Sheep or Dungeons & Dragons at all, this live event will be the perfect thing for you to, just to get a feel for what it actually is like for poor Gadget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna deal with your bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get ready. I, th- I, th- I think it's gonna be it's gonna be wonderful. So I, 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 what I, I keep thinking about, I can't stop thinking about. It. I'm like, oh, I hope we don't fuck up. This is this is actually me having to concentrate a lot. I've done live things with you guys many. Uh, this I've got to concentrate. I've got to do maths live. <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> yeah, you do. Oh, but yeah, that's. This has been an episode, and for those that aren't a patron, good night. Oh, hey.